Come on, everybody, it's the inside trip. So crack a high life and take a sip on that T-I-T. Get up and scream, and you can spell it backwards. You know what I mean. Your boy Brando in the house tonight. Gonna lay it down smooth and keep it tight. When Ben Watson gets on the mic, you better get ready because he brings the hype. It's about that time you already know that nasty trip, this nasty flow. The inside trip that is the show. Don't wind up on your back, bro. Ah, uh, what's up, wrestling fans? We. Are back after a couple of week hiatus. It's the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast coming at you with episode number ninety eight post World Team Trials. Man, a lot of great wrestling's gone on lately. We can't wait to yep. talk about it. My name's Brandon Olinger. Join with me as always, my man, my favorite, one of my favorite peeps in the wrestling business, Ben Watson. What up? What up? What up? What's going on, Ben? Oh, baby. I hear you're getting recruited to just step in and do podcasts <laughs> all over the place now. Yeah, you know. Uh... You know how to do a, I had to fill in for the made a cameo. Kev, yeah, I made a cameo in the Blood Round Wrestling podcast last week when nice. uh, Mr. Kevin Clonch was uh, unavailable. That was fun. It was fun to talk with Tommy. Obviously, over at, um, as a lot of you guys probably know, Blood Round Wrestling. It's a podcast um, out of Michigan. Um, you know, ca- ca- you know, love just guys like us. Great guys love helped us out. Really showed us the way in the beginning. Yeah. So, so I was able to be on that episode, and it was great. You know, to kind of do the. Uh, preview of uh, uh the world team trials and now you and i we're together and we're going to get to kind of do a little bit of recap of them so i'm excited about that yeah this is great man uh i've been looking forward to getting back on the mic with you as we said it's been a couple of weeks this off season it gets kind of busy sometimes we jump in when it's important done some great interviews lately ben just a lot of good things to be proud of yeah um speaking of you know before we get into all that normal business like we always do um, as many of you know who have been listening to this podcast, following us on social media, um, Ben and I uh, wanted to do a fundraiser. We sold T-shirts to, 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 to help support the Wrestle Like a Girl Foundation. We wanted to make a nice size donation to them. Um, and after all is said and done, uh, Ben and I were just able to donate $1,200, $1,200 to Wrestle Like a Girl. Um, that's what we had in the net profits from our t-shirt sales and we couldn't have done it without all of you guys who listened supported bought shirts and uh really helped us throughout the way i mean i mean that's exactly right you know you know we say we donated it but really what we did is we gave an out uh, uh you know a mechanism by which wrestling fans like you guys could help us make that donation and the fact that the wrestling fans that listened to this podcast came out in droves to assist us by buying those black and um Black teal and pink T-shirts. That looks sweet. Those things are s- slick. Um, to to help us donate twelve hundred dollars to wrestle like a girl was amazing. So I'm really proud of what we did, but I'm also really proud of the people that bought those shirts because um, you know there was a lot of interest in those shirts for the reason that hey please and there was even people that bought the red shirts but said hey please donate they gave an extra extra money donate this to wrestle like a girl and I thought that was just excellent. Um, so shout out to everybody that listens to this podcast that that contributed to that we really uh, appreciate it yeah uh, again we couldn't uh, we can't we can't thank you enough um, as always you know you always want to be able, be able to give more we wish we could have gave more but uh very happy to be able to donate twelve hundred dollars to the wrestle like a girl organization so hopefully it goes to good use they're doing a lot of good things with their camps with the with the sanctioning of women's wrestling all over the country so hopefully it goes to to something good 
All right, man. Uh, before we dive into this uh, this wrestling action that's gone on, let's just take care of all that business. It's the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast, episode number 98. Uh, my name's Brandon. That's Ben. You can find us on Twitter at the Inside Trip one We got a Facebook page out there that Ben runs. It's the Inside Trip. We got an Instagram out there. It's the Inside Trip. As for the podcast itself, you guys know where to find it whether it's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, all that good stuff. So just be sure to keep going out there, subscribe and download, give it a listen, and we always love those rate and reviews. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who's left a couple of those lately. Yeah, yeah, we got a couple rate and reviews lately. So you a new uh, one? I haven't uh, looked in a while. Uh, let me see. Let me see if my phone will actually update. Yeah, we got, we got a couple new ones. Um, we got one from a guy named Adam DT. That says their wives should know that this podcast is very informative and worthwhile expenditure of time. Love the interviews and the dynamic. I like that. So thank you for giving us that review because I'm going to show that to my wife and I'm going to be like, look, see, all of this bullshitting up here. She thinks, <laughs> she thinks we're just doing it to drink and talk. We're just up here getting drunk. Yeah. But, you know, we're doing that too. We're doing that too. But I shout out to, shout out to Adam. And also, um, I cannot uh, pronounce this, CPT Dur- Duranda who uh, basically indicates that uh, he's very excited that we put out some great interviews um, um, this year as well as some excellent discussion with regards to wrestling and um, uh, the Beat the Streets podcast. So we appreciate that as well. And uh, we're going to continue to do um, the best we can within our capabilities, obviously, and within our time frames to to give you guys podcasts because, you know, we're really happy that you guys like to listen, but also we just love doing it. Absolutely, man. Uh, So listen. World Team Trials took place this weekend. You had the Junior World Team Trials. You had the Men's Senior World Team Trials. Um, and then, obviously, the Senior Women's World Team Trials. And then some Greco action as well. Um, all of these winners this weekend were fighting for a spot to compete at one of the two final X's that are coming up to determine who is going to represent the United States um, on a, in a spot on our world team. So... I was actually camping with my family all weekend. I tried right. to follow it this weekend, was able to watch some of the matches, follow the brackets, came back today, uh, watched some, uh, some replays. A lot of cool stuff went on this weekend, man. Yeah, you know, I thought it was great. You know, when Final X came out, I, I, I think that Final X is a great idea, but we knew it was going to water down the World Team Trials a little bit because it's really the World Team Trials Challenge Tournament now where you're not getting in this weekend the, the, the World Team member, right? Um, which it's... I'm not saying it stinks. I think it's it, it, it makes the world team trials not quite as as um, exciting as it used to be. But at the same time, we still get this final X, which I think is awesome, and we get to right. focus on these storylines, and we get to focus on um, um, you know before you really never got to focus on the storylines because you didn't even have brackets, so you didn't even know who was going to be in the finals. Now we actually get some you know weeks to focus on the storylines, so I'm excited about that. Uh, but you know that doesn't go that doesn't go without saying that the World Team Trials Challenge Tournament isn't going to um, produce some excellent matches because I tell you what we saw some really good ones this weekend. Um, I mean, of course, Ben. Uh, look, of course, it's going to produce like great matches because at most there's only two people sitting out of it. You know, the U.S. Open champ and possibly a world medalist, basically. Right. right? So I mean, that's basically it. Well, no, I mean it's one or the other. So. If if you if you if well no you know you're right you're right the world the U.S. Open champ would sit out to the finals of the trials tournament if there was no world medalist correct right? so yeah. I mean you know so the, it still produces so many great matches right. and it's just, I, it's, I get what you're saying a, a lot of great matchups that for those that follow college wrestling these are the matchups you dreamed about would take place and here you get to see some of this stuff go on and man a lot of great wrestling this weekend it's a lot of surprises um, I, it, 
Let's just start at 57 kilograms. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on this? Thomas Gilman, I think you and I, we expected him to come through. We thought we were going to see Dayton Fix and, you know, Gilman go at it right. again at Final X. Yeah, when, when I heard the news come out that um, Nathan Tomasello was not going to compete due to an injury, uh, I believe he hurt his hamstring again, or re-aggravated that hamstring that he hurt at Midlands. Uh, you could tell he wasn't healthy at the U.S. Open, you know, when Thomas Gilman really pushed him around and bullied him. Uh, when, when when Tomasello was out, I, I didn't see anybody in this bracket that was really going to be able to challenge him. And if I did see someone, it was going to be either Cruz or Mueller. Uh, they ended up having to wrestle in the semifinals of of the um, uh, of the ter- of the tournament, and you know Cruz beat him seven five. In the finals, Gilman really just showed that he is, I guess, head and shoulders above everybody else in this bracket besides Dayton Fix. Although the matches weren't blowouts, one was four zero over Cruz, and the second one was five two. Cruz didn't have really anything for Thomas Gilman. He got pushed around the mat. Gilman was able to dig his underhooks and really just kind of bully him. And I think that that's where Gilman is best. And that's when we saw him actually medal at the Worlds was when he was able to control the center of the mat, utilize his ties to get to that single leg. Uh, He was able to do that. We still haven't seen as much of that single leg as we did the first year out of college when he medaled at the Worlds. I'd like. I think he's going to have to get back to that to beat Dayton Fix, but I guess not. Not a huge surprise here. This is probably one of the most um, foregone conclusion uh, World Team Trials weights there was, where we we kind of knew who the guy was going to be. Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. Um, I'm very much looking forward to the match between Gilman and Dayton Fix. Again, I think that this could turn into a nice little rivalry um, at this weight class. When I look at those two, though, I think the the margin of error is much slimmer for Thomas Gilman than it is for Dayton Fix. Um, what do you mean by that? I'm not sure. I've seen lately. I, I think maybe when Fix wants to wants to really put it on, he's got more more of a dynamic offense. And I'm not so sure we've really seen that from Gilman much lately. We so, have not lately. And that's what I mean by that. We so when you wrestle lately. that way, that margin of error becomes slimmer and slimmer and slimmer. You know. Yeah, I, I was. That was the one thing I was wondering if Gilman was going to get back to is getting those single legs. Because in 2017, when he took that uh, silver medalist to the guy from Japan, uh, his name his I'm sorry, his name escapes me. Um, Gilman was get, the entire world's tournament. He was getting in on those single legs, and no matter whether or not it was a great shot or not, if he got his hands locked, he was able to suck that in and finish. We didn't see that last year at the worlds when he took fifth and didn't medal, even though he had a pretty damn good draw. And I didn't really see a lot of that this year. It was funny. A lot of the announcers, you know, you listen to Cl- Cliff Fretwell, who's announcing some of his matches. They were saying that Gilman looked more like an Iranian digging his underhook and just pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And I think that that, that serves some purpose in freestyle. Definitely being able to control the center, which is what he did against Cruz, and to be able to push him around is great. But you know what? Against a guy like Dayton Fix, you're not going to be able to beat him if your only offense is a push out. From an underhook, because Dayton Fix is going to oh, be able agree one hundred percent. Dayton Fix is going to be able to, especially if you push into him too much, he's going to be able to manipulate your body for slide buys. He's going to be able to, if you push into him with an underhook, he's going to be able to go to that inside trip. Yep. Um, I think that Gilman needs to get back to that single leg that he had at Worlds in two thousand seventeen to beat, um, to, to beat Dayton Fix, and he's got to get back to that single leg to to be a contender again on the world. At, uh, excuse me, the world level. I think those are all great points, and uh, I guess we can talk about that a little more later when we when we kind of look, look at some of these final X yeah. matches and who we who our picks are. Um, Sixty one kilograms, man. 
Wow. For one, I think I think one of the stories here, here is the retirement of Tony Ramos. And, you know, hats off to him. I think he's had such a great career, um, college and uh, on our on our senior level as well. A two-time world, a two-time world team member, I believe. Exactly. You know, and it's so funny, like, to have watched his persona change from the time when he was in college right. to what it is now. It's, it's just, it, to me, it's uh it's it's rather intriguing, but um, this weight class. Ramos uh, did beat Corey Clark. He finally got his Iowa revenge. Yeah, got his Iowa revenge. But how about Tyler Graff coming out on top in this weight class? A weight class that had Ramos, Megalutus, Corey Clark, um, and coming out on top of this weight class. I, I don't think that was expected, and right. I think it does make this match at Final X between him and Cologne. I think it's going to be an interesting match. I, I really do. I mean, Tyler Graff beat. Cody Brewer in the finals for third or for, for excuse me the two out of three finals, his the first match twenty two to sixteen it was one of the craziest things I'd ever watched. Um, this was unfortunately when so for the first for the first match of the best two out of three they had two mats going before they split it to one match so I'm trying to watch you know there, there, there's so many great matches going on at the same time and I'm trying to watch this and I keep on looking over and I'm seeing them score tons of points. I, I thought that Brewer was going to. My thought was if Nick Soriano didn't compete, which he didn't, that Brewer would have been able to roll. But boy, was I wrong. Don't count out Tyler Graff. That guy's got – he's got legitimate offense. I never knew that he had that legitimate offense. He was scoring and putting Brewer in danger um, through, throughout both throughout both matches. And before that, he beats uh, Nico Megalutis, who was having a little bit of run as well to make it. So Graff kind of a journeyman. We saw him. What was he? An NCAA runner-up that one year. He was a four-time All-American. Look, yeah, I think that it's really easy to either underestimate or underappreciate or even overlook Tyler Graff because of the weight classes that. that he's competed in. And you know, look, just looking at this right here, when you got guys like Cody Brewer and Nico Megalutis, who some people think you know are, are some of the best uh, in the United States at this weight class, and for him to come through that, that just says a lot. But here's a guy that was a four-time All-American. He was a finalist. He lost to Tony Ramos, the, you know, his senior year of the NCAA Finals. Um, he's had a lot of success wrestling freestyle. He really you know, has. He never really, he's never really won tournaments, but he's always placing second, third, you know, top four, top three. Just like you said, a journeyman who's had a lot of success, and he finally broke through. And you know what? He's wrestling in the final X against Cologne for a spot to be on the real team. I think that he's actually might be wrestling the best that he ever has, which is key because it's really good to it's really good to start saying, um, or it's really good to start you know to to believe that you're wrestling the best you ever have right before you go into a, a chance to to make the world team. And I tell you what, this weight class, no disrespect to Joseph Cologne. Might be contested, you know. We'll talk about that again with the final X. But the way that Graf wrestled, the, the 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 dynamic in which he was ability to, with with his ability to put up points. Okay, it wasn't just that he was winning close matches. Yeah, these were, some of them were close. I mean, twenty two to sixteen is pretty close. But his ability to put up points and to go out and get a score. The lead change between that Brewer and Graf in that first match was. Crazy how many times the lead right. changed. His ability to go out there and get a score when he needed to was extremely impressive. The fact that he beat Cody Brewer, a guy who I consider to be high on the ladder mm-hmm. in this weight class, a guy who I consider who could potentially have beaten Joe Cologne, the fact that it's Graf going up against him is very impressive. And I was impressed with what he was able to do this weekend to navigate that tournament, um, beat a guy like Miko Medical Lutus who just beat the crap out of um, Ramos Tony Ramos. And Sean Foss. Yeah, so... Uh, 
don't discount Tyler Graff. No, I'm definitely not discounting him. I, I'm very, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to see. Cologne holds position so well. All right, I, I think he's learned how to wrestle freestyle. He knows how to pick his pick his spots. Uh, well, he might be better. More at of a tactician. More of a tactician. Yeah. Um, but Cologne does. He's a strong guy. Holds position very well. So it'll it, it'll be interesting to see how this matchup you know uh, plays out in Final X. Looking forward to that. But you're right. I think it is a contested weight class. I mean, I think you could see a change there. And uh, you look, if there's any guy that's been you know plugging away for many years to make get that spot, Tyler Graff is that guy. Absolutely, I, absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I'm excited to say, I'm genuinely excited for that final X matchup. Were you shocked that that Ramos retired after this tournament? No, I think that it was time. I think that, but look, I think he's got. Not that it matters. It matters, but he's got. You know, he's got a couple kids. He's married. He's in a really good coaching situation. He is in a right. Weight, he's in. He, he he's in a weight class that's not an Olympic weight. Right. Right and. I don't know if he feels comfortable getting down to 57, and he certainly is not a 65-pounder. So. 61. Oh, yeah. I no, what I mean is by so up, for yeah. next year. Yep. Right? I mean, he, He's not a 65-pounder. Yeah, normally, no, you don't retire all. a year before. Uh, you don't, Normally, you go an entire cycle. Yeah. Well, I guess the reason why, I, why I've asked that, if you really stop and watch his wrestling over the last year or two, and it's no disrespect to him, you could just kind of see – I don't think he's been. His heart's been in the training. You know, you can kind of tell That's that. Probably, probably not training. Probably not training to his full potential. He's got a family now. You said he's got this great coaching situation. He does. I think he's got different priorities. I just the Tony Ramos that we saw that had that 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 fire in his fire. eye, the the, the the ultimate competitor. We haven't seen him the last couple of years. You know, and I think it really. You really started to see that when Gilman beat Ramos for the role team right. spot a, a couple of years ago. You did see that. And then last year when Dayton Fix really beat him up. Right. You know, I mean, we kind of saw a change into the guard. And look, people's wrestling careers are going to um, have different trajectories. Mm-hmm. And he had a trajectory where he made a couple world teams. Yeah, it would have been awesome if he would have got a world medal. He'd probably feel a little bit more. Um, he'd probably feel a little better about retiring. But let's be honest. Tony Ramos... I'm not picking him to make a world team at any weight, let alone going out and win a world medal. I think he did as much as he could for the sport, for himself, through the time that he had to do that. And now I think that he's moving on, and there is nothing wrong with that. Not at all. Not at all. Hats off to him, man. What a great career. I, I saw a picture of him and um, Tom Brands. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, obviously, after everything that you know they went through with, with Tony leaving Iowa due to the, the issues with Gilman, uh, for him, Tom Brands to have that picture together. I think it just goes to show you that, you know, you can always bury the hatchet in the sport of wrestling and that uh, that the relationships you build in wrestling are, are just as important as uh, the wins and losses. So that was really cool. Don't turn your back on Brands. He'll bury that hatchet in your back. Be careful. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm just kidding. I'm he, kidding. Might. <laughs> he might. I'm kidding. But uh, I'll yeah. tell you what had some fireworks, though, 65 kg. 65 kilograms, man. We've talked about this. Like, legitimately one of the most fun classes to watch in the United States, always so deep with great stars, but one we struggle on the world stage at. So um, I, I have a feeling that our struggles are going to start to come to an end a little bit at this weight class. Oh, yeah. I really do. Oh, yeah. I mean, but look at this right here. This Just the trot, you know, the challenge tournament, you know, Zane Rutherford, Jaden Ironman, Jason Ness, Dom Demas, Jordan Oliver. And I mean, Kanan Store, but he's got a little ways to go compared to some of these guys. No, I mean, what you just said, I, I mean, we've got one, two. We've got two dudes just in the trials tournament that have either made an Olympic Oh, and Dean Heil. I'm sorry, Dean yeah. Heil, too. Right. 
two dudes that have made either an Olympic or a world team, and J.O., who, you know, is probably just as good as, as, as those guys are, you know. J.O. on any given day can beat anybody in the world. You right. Know? So, so, so the, the, uh, the challenge tournament, that wasn't a surprise to me um, that, that it was going to be a battle. Rutherford Molinero in the semifinals, I thought that that was intriguing because Rutherford had to beat Molinero to make the world team. In two thousand and seventeen, seventeen, and and he did. That was yeah. That was coming off. It was, it, it was an extremely close battle. Right. Too. That was yeah. coming off of Molinero the year before, lost in a really close with a Chimizo at the Olympics to to medal. Mm-hmm. And then so everybody thought, you know, what's going to happen? Rutherford, you know, I think um, Zane Rutherford is he's made a jump. Molinero might be a little stagnant, and then that happens again with age and the fact that you know Rutherford. When he won his, when he made his first world team, was still competing in college. Right now he's now he's focusing more on freestyle. Uh, Jordan Oliver, I don't know if we knew what we were going to get with Jordan Oliver and Rutherford. To, to be honest with you, I'm not sure Rutherford really has had much, had much success against Jordan Oliver until this tournament. And there, it was it's not without controversy though, because I tell you what, the first so the best two out of three was uh, uh, Rutherford versus Oliver, and. Um, Oliver was winning the entire match, and Zane hit him with two twos at the end to uh, to, to beat him. So I think it was six two. Let's do the math: six three. And um, Rutherford hit him with two uh, backwards. People call it chest wraps or whatever. It was really it was uh, he had a front head, mm-hmm. and he and he rolled opposite of the arm, kind of like a you know a gator roll, but the opposite way. Hit him with two like of those. Like a mixer type thing? Yeah, kind of. Like just two. Like a front head. Yeah, rolled this just way. rolled. Hit, hit him. Two of them. The last one of which, Zane was completely out of bounds, and they let it go via continuation. Um, and then they gave him the two there and two, and it was reviewed, and um, they called it. But J.O. was up. J- right. I mean, people were like, this this, this over. J.O.'s going to gonna win the first one. And that ma- that's going to make a big difference going into the second match. Second match, another tight one. I think he beat him seven six both times. And the funny thing is, Zane has the talent to, to medal at Worlds. He has the talent to, you know, he could win a gold medal. He won a cadet gold medal, um, world medal when he was as a cadet. Um, but I still think he's still he's still figuring out the freestyle game, you know, especially from a, you know, uh, tactical perspectives and everything like that. Um, I think he needs to get a little better on his feet, you know, with, with his takedowns uh, against some of these top guys in the world, but. He's not having as much success taking guys down as I thought he would have in the freestyle exactly. level. That, yeah, that, I, that's I think you're exactly right. what I was thinking. Not, not that he's not doing it against, you know, the, the, he, I, I, I'm not looking at the bracket right now, but the Canis stores are the Dom Demons of the world. Of course he's taking those guys down. But against, and even Frank Molinero, he took him down a little bit. But he he is having a little bit. Let's talk about just J.O. and um, and, and Yanni. I, I think he's not he's not as dominant as as – Maybe some might have thought he would have been coming out of college, where we've seen other guys who have not had quite the success he had in college go on and have even more success on the world. Are we talking about Zane or J.O.? Zane. Zane. Okay. Uh, Now, I guess the devil's advocate role I'll play on that is, one, he did make a world team in 2017. After that, that next freestyle season, he had some injuries. He didn't compete last year. Right, he didn't in the off season. Compete. So I think it was one of those out of sight, out of mind type situations. Um, I think, it, like Rutherford, 
he Rutherford could definitely be the guy. Um, that match between Zane and Yanni at Final X is one of the ones I'm looking the most forward to. Um, Rutherford might be your guy. Rutherford could be the guy, but he, the thing I keep going back to is uh, his attacks on his feet. And I don't think he, tra- he he chain wrestles as well as Yanni does. And Yanni can transition. He can chain wrestle. Yanni's gotten so good at scoring off your shots when you are in a great position. And uh, those are things that Zane's going to have to overcome. He's going to have to put multiple moves together to be able to take Yanni down. And I'm not sure he can. Well, we, we certainly didn't see it in the, 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 the open. In fact, we saw Yanni, you know, scoring off of Zane's shot. Right. So, um, but, you know, they're, they're going to have time to game plan that. I thought that, you know... Not to beat a dead horse, but I, I'm surprised that Oliver lost two matches to none. You know, that's almost like I am too. This was like I Ol- am too. This was like Oliver's last. You know, you see these guys out there, and you see that they're all right, man. You're getting a little older. How many more shots are you actually gonna have? And I'm not sure that Br- Rutherford had ever beaten Oliver. And Rutherford to go out and if, to win two matches to none. It was a surprise to me, especially, I guess the biggest thing to me was, oh, same old match when Oliver was up like 6-3, 6-2 with like 30 seconds left. And I'm like, all right, looks like uh, Rutherford's going to be going home. And then he goes out and wins that one, and then he sneaks by him and wins another one. Where do we say Jay? I mean, Jay was obviously going to finish the cycle, right? But he made a huge cut to make 16. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm sitting here thinking about this. Like, one of the things, look, after this tournament, I thought, you know, J.O. put out this tweet on social media. I thought it was uh, very professional. It was was really cool. Just basically, like, you know, hats off to his competitors. He wrestled his best. He's got to go back to the drawing board, keep training, this and that. But it's hard for me not to think that the window was closing on J.O.'s, on J.O. Closes on everybody. And... You know, this is the 2019. Obviously, we got the World Championships this year. He's not going to be competing there, and and then we've got one more year before before the Olympics, and we're seeing these new guys come up. You know, guys like Yanni, guys like Jaden Ironman. Okay, you can never discount a Jaden Ironman. I mean, he uh, lost to Molinero for third and fourth. It was ten to eight, but Jaden. Ironman can put up points. I think in his final three matches, he put up. Like 41 points. Right. Okay, that's crazy. Right. So, and I'd be a little remiss of even saying, you know, I know the guy didn't make the even make the world team trials this year, but a guy who really never really lost to Ironman and Joy McKenna. Exactly. Know? And then guys like Dom Demas. Look, Don, Dom Demas is getting better. I tell Man, you what, this those three scary. inside trips that he had on Jason Ness in that match, like, dude, you know what's coming. Did you see their match, uh, Ironman versus Demas' match? It was 20, 20 to 15. 15. That was crazy. That was awesome. And we saw them wrestle at NCAAs. It was two to nothing. I'm not sure that. I I just I'm just I'm not a freestyle ref, but I I felt like Demas got screwed on a couple of the calls against uh, against Ironman. I don't even know, but uh, you're right. The window closes for everybody, right? At some point in time, I know we're kind of going back to the um, to Tony Ramos, but just generally, the window's going to close. I think Oliver's got one more year left in him. That I'm not sure he's got many more after that. Especially because 65 is not a good weight for him. Like, weight cut-wise, he's cutting a lot of weight. He is cutting a lot of weight. and Maybe he would have been better served by going 70. You know, here's a guy that just last year at Beat the Streets, you know, wrestled a great match against... Um, Chimizo? Chimizo, yeah. It was a, no, or did JB wrestle Chimizo? Or was it all no, over last JB year? JB wrestled Chimizo. Two years ago. Two, yeah, two years ago. Two years ago, JB. yeah. Um, again, Oliver, uh, on any given day, can beat anybody in the world, but... As he's getting older, we're getting some some fantastic young studs come up in that weight class, and I don't think he can go seventy four. Seventy four is not no, his he weight. Can't. You know, he, it, he, they're going to have non Olympic worlds. That's true. Year. I mean, that's true. I mean, 
not not to discount those or anything. Because everybody's talking about like what way is James Green going to go next year? How do you know it's just not going to be seventy to go make some money at the non-Olympic world? Good point. You know, I mean, I know it's not the Olympics, but what are you going to do? You he can't make sixty-five, and he he ain't going to go up and win seventy-four. Anyways, that, that's that's random shit that I've been thinking about. Speaking of James Green, he writes the ship this weekend, takes care of business, uh, wins a spot, so he's going to get a rematch against Deacon at Final X. Um, well, I think the big news about seventy is golf going up from seventy. Yeah, I, I, exactly. It, and that shocked me when that news came out. Like, absolutely what shocked was he me. Doing? It must have been a. I just don't understand cut. it. It I must really... have been a huge cut. Well, what is seventy? Fifty-four and a half. And he wrestles fifty-seven collegiately. And doesn't look like he's cutting any weight. I don't know, bro. I mean, I don't know either. Maybe he hit a growth spurt. Was it to get a jump start on twenty twenty? No, you don't do that. I wouldn't think you do either. I don't know. I just it I thought baffles it was really me. bad. I no, okay. I don't know any. I, I don't know anything about it. I, same. But to me, the only thing I can think about in my head is it was a really bad cut. He won't return my text. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you go out there and you lose to James Green six six on criteria. The guy literally sitting in final X is Ryan Deacon, a dude that's never even been able to freaking score on exactly. You. And here's a guy like look, no, if we're not talking about Jason Nolf, who who's had all this. Um, world team experience. It's like, look, just go out, make a world, try to make this world team, and get some experience competing at, at at that level, at that type of tournament. There's no, there's nothing else I can think of except for either a, it was a cut, or b, he's got something that's malingering, injury wise. It doesn't, that's hurting his ability to cut the weight. But two and a half pounds, he held fifty seven all year. And I'm sorry, and I he, never saw he wrestles finish. like a guy, and he looks like a guy that's not like cutting tons of weight. You right. know. I don't, I am I, baffled. I don't get it, man. I'm baffled. I'm baffled by, by why he did that. He literally bumped up. I mean, he's he's competing really well with a two-time world medalist. You got a guy in the finals, sitting in final X, who's never even been close to you, and you bump up into the lion's den? All right. Back to 70 kilograms at this tournament. Look, James Green righted the ship. Great for him. But I'm telling you what. Anthony Ashnault's proving to be a very solid freestyler wrestler, and I think... He's got some bright days ahead of him. He draws Hidley, the two seed, beats him five to four first round. Then he knocks off Jason Chamberlain. And then, I mean, he, he goes up against uh, James Green. He, he wasn't able to score against James Green. Lost handily both times. But I thought that was an impressive performance well, by Ashley. Second, I mean, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, look, obviously he wasn't able to, to wrestle the second match due to the injury. But um, uh, either way, look. Congrats to James Green for, for taking care of his business, um, getting back, you know, in the final legs where he should be. And then I, I, I'm still going to stand by my comments that I think Anthony Ashnall has a bright freestyle future in front of him. No, I think Anthony Ashnall is one of those guys that's going to have a really um, – I think he's one of those guys that actually might be better. Well, I wouldn't say that. He, I think he's got a great trajectory in, in freestyle. You know, he got taken down by Green early on and then laced up and I busted up a knee, man. It looked, I don't know what it was, but it didn't look good. But let's go back to their Beat the Streets match. James Green was up 8-0. Anthony Ashnott was able to grind hard in the second um, period of that match, score four points, and ended up being 8-4. Ashnall is not far off from, from continually competing, I think. I agree with you. And, you know, we talked about this the last time. Here's a guy that went out and dominated his way through Pan Am's. Um, and then looked really good at the U.S. Open. I, uh, not, not, not the U.S. Open. I'm sorry. Looked really good, um, I thought, in his match against James Green at the uh, 
Well, oh, beat the streets. Beat the streets. Or he looked better than I would have expected. I yeah, guess. Yeah, no, I think he. I think he outclassed, got, a little outmatched, but. But you know what? He didn't give up. And no, he ended, up, he ended up being able to score his own on his own attacks. Exactly. Um, I, I think this this just shows the depth that the United States is growing, where we're starting to get guys. Where I you're, love you know, it, man. Yeah, you're, if you could send your it. third, fourth, fifth guy to Pan Am's and win it. Now, I know Pan Am's isn't the toughest tournament, but. I, I totally agree that I think a guy like Anthony Ashnall is all he's doing is making it better for the um, for the United States for depth, and he made a uh, United States uh, national team exactly taking, taking third. And, and, you know, and I want to talk about this a little bit more when we get you know a, a few weight classes later. But th- right, it something is going on, something is happening. They're doing the right things at the New Jersey RTC. Um, you know, I think we're starting to see some success come out of there. We're going to talk about that more a little bit later. Um, well, look at what Rutgers has done just generally. You know what I mean? Rutgers, I I think. But the New Jersey Jersey RTC combines like Rutgers, Princeton, a lot of those. Right. But but what I'm saying is that, you know, Rutgers is following suit by having, you all right, bud? Brandon's got a little bit of allergies this year. Um, no, (laughs) I understand. But Rutgers is following suit and kind of putting, you know, they had two NCAA champs this year. Right. And that's only going to help the New Jersey RTC. I'll tell you what, be scared because, guys, New Jersey's on the come up. And I think, like, if you really look back on it, it went so under the radar. But getting a guy like Reese Humphrey out there to coach that RTC, that's huge. Because here's a guy that has had a teams. lot of success, you know, on the senior circuit. Um, still young, still got a passion for the sport. And I think we're seeing some – you know, we're seeing some of the successes happen right now. I think it's great, and we'll get to more of that here in a little bit. But I just, I definitely wanted to call that out in relation to to Ashnault here. All right, right. seventy four, man, seventy four. I get to talk about Nolf again. Yes, we do. But I think there's some other people I'd even want to talk about in in this bracket. Um, I thought this was a very intriguing bracket, to be honest with you, Ben. Yeah, there, there really was. I mean, even guys like Tommy Gant were out there battling, and Logan Massa. I tell you what, he. I know that Nolf beat him seven to two, but Logan Massa he actually scored the first two points against Nolf. He made Nolf battle uh, to to make the finals. Uh, I I was surprised about that. I was surprised a guy like Logan Massa, who really is kind of after his freshman year in college fell off, was able to go out and make the um, the finals, quote unquote finals, before he wrestled the challenge right. tournament finals um, over guys like Tommy Gant, over guys you know like Richie Lewis. Uh, well, I was impressed by that. Joey Lavalle. Look, I, I think it's great that you bring this up because. You know, and this isn't like inside information that we've heard from close sources, but in general, there's been a feeling, and we've actually talked to a lot of people that have been questioning whether or not Logan Massa is still committed to the sport. Has he gotten bored? Has he burnt out? Whatever it is, you know, he goes out there as a freshman at NCAA's. He takes third after a great freshman season. Sophomore years, the wheels fall off a little bit. Sophomore year, the wheels fall off a little bit. Uh, this past year, did he get back on the podium last I year? I think he did. I, I can't remember if he did or not, but definitely hasn't looked as good as he did his freshman year um, in college there. But he did look really, really committed this weekend. Wrestled his ass off. I think, like you said, he gave Nolf, you know, all, all Nolf really wanted in that match, even though Nolf owned the match. Um, but it's, it's really cool to see that happening there. But I mean, Well, this, yeah, I mean, you're not, you, you know, if you're not committed to the sport, you're not going to go out and wrestle in the world team trials. Exactly. So Exactly. Um, the return but, of Anthony Valencia? I, yeah, you know. Still not impressed. I, I, yeah. I can't. I can't. He, he lost in all 7-0. Anthony Valencia is who he is. He, he used to be kind of touted as even a better freestyler. Not not to say that losing a Nolf is uh, 7-0 is like something that, that you should be sad about. I mean, 
Nolf is amazing, but I wasn't terribly. I, I, look, I'm not writing home about Anthony Valencia no, making the semifinals of the challenge tournament. Ultimately, look, Nolf wins the bracket. It puts him into the uh, the finals. Best two out of three against Isaiah Martinez. I think this and is a this match is that a people really were looking forward to. I agree with you, Ben. Fantastic. And I'm going to be honest with you. I am a bit surprised by the result. I'm, a, I'm not. I'm not like. I thought I'm flabbergasted win or shocked. Or win. I thought it would be close. I, I picked Imar could win, but I picked Imar. I thought. I thought Nolf was going to win this. Did you? I picked Imar, but I, I. I mean, we're talking nine to four in the first match, domination. Mm-hmm. Seven five in the second match, and that was. Um, Imar. Imar was up five to uh, three, and then Nolf put him on his back for four in the last. Um, literally three seconds. Mm-hmm. Nolf did a YOLO throw in the last three seconds, or else Imar would have ended it in two. And then Imar went out in the last one saying, look, you got lucky on this one and beat him 12-2. to two. He dominated, dominated him. He dominated Jason Nolf the way that I've never seen Jason Nolf be dominated before, even in all three matches. Because you know what? Besides that throw, Imar controlled it. He was working them hooks. He oh, was yeah. able to get to the legs, though, too. He wasn't just pushing them around. He was able to get to the legs and finish And that's what made him so good his freshman year of college. Right. Remember when he was really working the hooks, but he was dominating people because he was using those to get to their legs. I mean, right. we just saw him victimize people. I think it's so neat to have watched Isaiah Martinez because when we first saw him wrestle freestyle again after college, he looked a little bit lost. He is getting better. Is he ready to knock off Jordan Burroughs? No, I don't think. It, it, no. But, but let me tell you something real quick. No, and I agree. Lay it on me. Lay it no, on me. No, I agree with you. So I was listening to the Flow's podcast, and um, so I, I don't know how accurate this is, but they said that uh, they talked to Jordan, or somebody talked to Jordan Burroughs, and Jordan Burroughs was like, dude, this is going to be a match. He, and that's that's what I'm getting to. Like I don't think that's crazy. Imar's ready to take over the spot. I do think JB's got at least one or two more good years in him. But to see how much Martinez has improved from when he got out of college, jumped back into freestyle to now, it's crazy. And you know he's still not hit a ceiling. You know he hasn't. Well, yeah. What the hell? What the hell do you think? This dude. Let's not forget about who this dude is. I mean, the dude was a four-time NCAA finalist, two-time champ. I mean, he was one. He, he's one of the best to ever do it in college. Agreed. And and he had room to even get better because he was he his leg attacks kind of fell off towards his junior and senior year, and he and he wasn't quite as dynamic as he as he once was. He's back to it. He put a hurting on Jason Nolf. I mean, it wasn't close. I don't care that they went three matches. It wasn't close in any of those matches. And that is a Jason Nolf who I think. Is I think the world of absolutely. I, I think it's an amazing. He's still wrestler. figuring this freestyle stuff out right not, now too. I picked I'm Imar on the Blood Round podcast to win it, but I was like, I'm pretty sure this is going to be a thing, and it really wasn't a thing. I know it went two no. out of three, but it was not a thing, guys. Their matches in college were things. It, it's funny. I, somebody tweeted out. I can't remember who it was, but I thought it was like it was such a neat tweet, and I was like, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. That Imar is to Jason Nolf to what Vincenzo is to Imar to what. Um, Makai Lewis, Lewis was to Vincenzo this year, and I think that just look. What, what do they say? Styles make what? Style makes fight. Styles, Styles make, make fights. fights. But I don't know. I wasn't expecting this type of beatdown. I wasn't expecting this type of beatdown. It was a control. I, I've never seen Jason Nolf get controlled twelve to two. James Green couldn't do it. And this wasn't a situation James where you Green got couldn't where do you it. got taken down and laced up a bunch of times. You know, real quick. No, it was just domination. Just domination. It was just. It was. It was Imar scoring a lot of points, a lot of takedowns. 
Can I tell you selfishly, man, honestly, like this gets me, it gets me really excited because Isaiah Martinez was so fun to watch in college, especially his first two years at 157, that after what happened his last two years, um, at least for myself, there was times when I would kind of think or just, you know, be afraid or something that, hey, is he really, is he really going to commit to freestyle? Has he lost his confidence, you know? And, And this is fantastic. I think he's in the right spot. Um, he, he's getting better, and we may see him represent the United States on a world team before it's all said and done. Oh, I, th- I think we will before it's all said and done, probably not this year. And if you do want to hear a little bit, a bit more about Isaiah Martinez and his journey, you can check out the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast, episode number 28, when we had this young man on the podcast. That was such a fun episode. That was after his uh, loss to Vincenzo in the finals his junior year. It was a fun episode, yeah. and that was a big plug right there. That was a huge plug. I think that was a butt plug from Cindy. Down at Diamonds on uh, 725. Oh, God, Diamonds, ben. our local, uh, our local, what, what would you call Gentlemen's Club? Our local Gentlemen's Club. And uh, Cindy in there, you go in there, she'll treat you right. Jesus. I can't believe you just went there. 86 kilograms. <laughs> by the way, which is almost how much Cindy's butt plug weighs. Okay, that's just gross. I, you <laughs> hang out with Cindy way too much. Isn't that the name of your mom? Isn't your mom named Cindy? God damn it. Who's <laughs> It totally is. That was terrible. That's and awful. I also skipped 79 kilograms. Happy Mother's Day, Ma. Yeah, can we uh, talk about 79? Because uh, I'm that thinking, was probably one of the, my... Uh, uh, oh, my goodness. What the hell happened? What's wrong? How did Alex Danger beat the hell out of Zahid so bad? Oh, and that's that's what I was getting at. Like, Look, what before before hell? we started recording earlier, we were just kind of bullshitting and talking, and it's like... Deeringer, Deeringer made Zahid Valencia look about as pedestrian as he could look. Like no one's ever done before that I've seen. And he completely flipped the script on what De- or what Valencia did to him last year. Yeah, but maybe maybe Valencia wasn't healthy. Oh wait, you would you might think that, except for the fact that he beat the crap out of Mark Hall earlier in the tournament. Zahid Valencia was wrestling great. On all cylinders, and Alex Derringer beat him 12-1, 12-2. It was an embarrassment. Alex Derringer scored whenever and wherever he wanted to, and he bullied him around. And also, Alex Derringer looks really solid for that weight class body weight. Like he's grown into it this yes, year. He's, he's grown into it. He looked not, a little small last year, in yeah, my opinion. Right. He's not cutting too much. Yeah, because he was 74 before that. He's not cutting mm-hmm. too much, but he's not small. He is a perfect size 79 kilogram guy. So listen, oh, Ben, boy, listen, I, I know you're getting no. excited about oh, this. Look, I look, can't do it. I mean, I'm, I no, no, I'm it. not going to do it either, but listen, and, and we're going to talk more about these final X matches here in a bit, but yeah, last he, year, he was on one of the, if the guy that gave Kyle Dake his closest match all, all year was Deeringer. Well, I think Valencia gave a pretty damn good one too at final X. Yeah, I think it was close. I think Deeringer's might've been closer. Yeah, no, it was, it was. And, it was. um, you know, he, I don't know, man, it's just. The opinion of me is like Deringer has only looked better. I think right now, I, I you know, he's going to be going up against Kyle Dake, who was one of the most dominant wrestlers at the World Championships last year. Uh, you're still greatly favoring Dake, but I think Deringer has. He's got the talent. He's got the skill. He's grown in this weight class. I think we're going to see a battle. Absolutely, we've talked a lot about trajectory on this podcast so far today, and uh, Deringer's is only continually to, continuing to go up there. I think when we spoke last uh, at Beat the Streets, you know, or, or about Beat the Streets, we talked about, or at some point we were talking about 79 kilograms, and, and I said that, man, we might have, like, three of the best five guys in this weight class in the world. And and I, I still believe that. Now, Zahid, 
um, you know, obviously he, he didn't look quite as great this year as he did last year um, when he beat Derringer to make Final X. But Derringer could go out there, he could be a representative, and he could – he would. He could. He could medal. He could definitely medal. He could definitely medal. He could medal of the worlds. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it when we talk about final X. But he he impressed he impressed me extremely. I, I, in fact, he might have been the most impressive wrestler at, at this tournament. Really, I mean, I, I'm not I, I sure anybody definitely... rolled that. You know, anybody made that type of jump from last year to this year and beating the guy that he lost to, and I think two straight matches last year. By tech fall, embarrassingly. Right. No, I, I think there's a, a great argument to be made there, Ben. Um, again, I'm I'm really excited for that final X match. What about Valencia versus Mark Hall, though? You know, we got to see it again. I tell you what, Valencia dominated. He won five zero against Hall. Hall had nothing for him. Where Valencia won it this time was with his. Well, one, he got a really slick go behind early on from a front headlock position. But the uh, takedown that iced the match was a counter shot. And normally we see the opposite. Normally, see Mark Hall with yeah, the counter. Yeah, we see Mark yeah. Hall with the counter shot. Mark Hall was in kind of deep. He'd snapped an arm, blocked an elbow for an elbow pass, and hit a nice little double leg to finish. I tell you what, really impressed with Zahid versus Hall. Um, no, no disrespect to Mark Hall, but I thought that would have been a little bit more of a match, and it was it was not. It was Zahid dominated, which... All, all that does to me is say that Zahid was on the top of his game when he w- went out and lost the ringer. That makes sense to me. Look, let's go to 86 kilograms here. Um, this was a great weight class, and you talk about maybe one of the most improved wrestlers of the last couple of years on the senior circuit. I think this weight class has ha- has a guy in this weight class who has an argument for that, uh, that crown there. Um, but look at this weight class. I mean, Nick Heflin, uh, Miles Martin um, – Sammy Brooks, all guys who are extremely tough, basically basically competing for the right to wrestle two out of three against Pat Downey, who won the U.S. Open. Um, you know, ultimately, as I expected, Nick Heflin navigated the bracket to set up that match again with with Pat Downey. I was surprised he beat Miles Martin. Were you really? I thought that Miles Martin was going to be on the same side as Sammy Brooks and have one of those damn losses again. You know, because Brooks has kind of dominated him. Um, I was surprised that Miles Martin lost to Heflin. I think that Miles Martin is real worn out, and I think he's probably ready for a little bit of a break or something like that. I think there's a bit of a size difference there, and probably a bit of a, a little bit God, of Nick savviness. Huge. You know, Nick Heflin's very huge. He's hard to score on. He's extremely hard to score on, um, and I think Miles Martin's got a little bit to go to, to kind of learn and overcome those type of situations there. But Ben, let's talk about Pat Downey for a second. Do we have All right, to? I think we do. I, honestly, I think we do. Here's a guy All that. Right. That two three years ago was was lost. All right, just just lost. Lost at Iowa State. Lost trying to get into Iowa. Last year was kind of like this nomad competitor, the quote unquote uh, unattached, yeah, the assassin. unattached guy. Uh, he had some bright moments. You, you know, I remember back at the, I think it was the U.S. Open when he dominated guys like uh, Vic Avery and Gabe Dean, um, and then ultimately fell to. Uh, well, it? he got beat by Bo Nickel at one. He point. got beat by he, Bo Nickel. David Taylor David wrapped messed him up yeah. a couple times too. But he's looked really good the last couple of weeks or the last couple of uh, competitions. And I think, again, I think he's found a spot that is really good for him, and that's that New Jersey RTC. I, I think I think he fits in there. He I fits think in he, very he, well. Yeah, he's got, um, you know, kind of a, a quote-unquote wrestling family. I think Reese Humphrey's probably been a very good influence on him. In, in fact, I think you kind of heard that. I, I was listening to the Blood Run Wrestling podcast where they had Reese Humphrey on, and um, 
you know, he kind of indicated that that now that Downey's got some structure in his training, structure in his life, structure. Really, good I think that I think that's a key yeah. term, key word right there, Ben. Yeah. But you know what? And you get rid, regardless of what you think about Pat Downey, remove all of the uh, the the extra outside crap. He is extremely talented. He's very skillful. He is quite the competitor. I think we've seen him gas at times and give up against guys like David Taylor. But when he's going against these guys, the Nick Heflins and those, he is very much a competitor. Um, He's hard to take down. And you know what? Most people are becoming scared to go upper body with him. Oh, yeah. He'll go upper body with anybody. And he did that with Nick Heflin. And Nick did, Heflin was very tentative in those upper yeah. body situations. Heflin tried to go upper body with him one time. In fact, it was a weird call. Heflin tried to go upper body and throw him. Downey really stopped him, put Heflin on his back, and then Heflin rolled over, and they called it a slip, and that was the wrong call. Heflin. Uh, I hate the slip rule. Yeah, Downey, Downey had him on his back. You know, but then at the, the final match, after Downey wins, he's still pushing Heflin into the mat for five seconds afterwards. And why are you doing that? And I know Heflin and Downey were both chippy during the match, and Heflin put out a tweet like, hey, sorry, that's kind of, you know, that's, that, that, that wasn't me. But, you know, Downey's screaming on the flow cameras, you want to meet me out in the parking lot and stuff like that. Come on, man. I don't know. I'm yeah, not I, I didn't that. like that. You know, and I think I watched the Downey interview afterwards, and they kind of asked him about that. He said Heflin called him a punk. But when I watched the match, though, and when it all started, to me it looked, I, to me it looked like Downey was still on top of him, and Downey kind of kept it going a little bit, and Heflin finally got pissed, and they started getting chippy about it. I think both were in the wrong. Um, I don't like the whole, hey, if you want to fight, meet me in the parking lot. I would have come at it more of, hey, you know what? I'll, I'm, I, I'm happy to wrestle you anytime on this yeah, match. Yeah, just beat you. Anytime. I just beat you. That's I beat you multiple times. We can keep wrestling all you want. Um, I think if, But part of that's what makes Pat Downey who he is and makes him the competitor that he is yeah, as well. Yeah, but he's never going to beat David Taylor like that. I don't think he's ever going to beat a guy like David Taylor because he lacks go-to leg attacks. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe that's that's a that's a more simplistic answer. That's actually right. That, uh, honestly, actually right. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't think he's going to be able to tie up with David Taylor and, and and go upper body with him. And I also think David Taylor has that pace that's going to wear him out and break him, or he's going to take him down. He's going to turn him basically multiple times like he did in the past. It's not, if David Taylor's even half healthy, it's not a match. But anyways. Yeah, you know, you can obviously tell that I'm less than excited to talk about Pat Downey. I know we have to do it. And um, from a wrestling perspective, he's gotten only, he's only gotten better by going to the New Jersey RTC. Um, but from a um, and from a personal perspective, he's gotten he's gotten a little better. But you know, he's still got a little Pat Downey. Did you watch his interview when they were talking to him no, about I his just, situation? I a it's actually a really good interview. He speaks super highly of Reese. Super highly of the New Jersey RTC. He said he's got great roommates. He, you know, he's living with C.J. Brucky. He's got Pat Brucky training with him. He's got the Princeton guys, the Rutgers guys. It's close to his home. He, he, again, he, he just praises the coaching of Reese Humphrey um, a lot. I think he's finally in a situation to where if he had this in college, he would have been a national title contender, you oh, know, uh, without if, a doubt. If he would have had any structure in college, he could have been a multiple-time national champ. His uh, talent has never been in question. Exactly. Um, so... I think it's great. I think the New Jersey RTC is great, man. And I, when you, the schools that you have out there in that area, I think they're going to produce a lot of great athletes coming out of that club. Yeah, you know, and I think at 92, we kind of, is anybody surprised that Bo Nickel won that match? I, I'm really not. I think, um, again, I think Bo Nickel's another guy that there's a lot of intrigue 
around him when it comes to freestyle senior circuit. Um, he just happens to compete in a weight class that, uh, and we'll talk about this more later, but in my mind has one of the most underrated wrestlers in the entire world sitting in the finals of Final X waiting for him. Um, I mean, yeah. I, but I know, think you're right. I think Bo Nickel went the out. Second best guy he did what we thought he was going to do and sets up a great a great match that I can't wait to watch. I'm really excited. And kind of similar with 97. You know, there, there wasn't a ton of intrigue there. I, I think it was, you know, um, uh, Kevin Gadsden was sitting in the finals and he disposed of Ty, Ty Walls, who actually didn't have a great open, beat him 3-2 to two and 3-0. Not a surprise to me. I figured Kevin Gadsden was going to be the the, the, uh, the rep for Final X. Uh, oh, yeah, I agree with you there. Kyle Snyder. But where there was a little bit of craziness and a little bit of intrigue, how about them heavyweights? How about 125 kilos, man? Let's talk about this weight class first before you get it. Yeah, Look at go. this weight class for a heavyweight weight class. This is this was actually a very competitive and and very a, a great weight class in my mind. Anthony Nelson, Derek White, Don Bradley, Yusuf Amita, who just took a silver medal at what U23s? Uh, yeah, I think he was yeah. at U23. Medal. Took took a silver medal. Um, couple time All American Nick Nevels, and then Gable Stevenson. I mean, to me, and that's not NCAA even that a third place Gable Stevens. Right. And that doesn't even include um, Adam Kuhn, who's sitting in the finals here. Right. So this was an extremely competitive weight class. I thought that Gable Stevenson could make the finals. I thought if he had a good tournament, he could make the finals to wrestle Adam Kuhn. I did not think he could beat a behemoth like Adam Kuhn. Okay, but let's so, look at what Gable so, Stevenson yeah, did. Let's, let's back up a second because look at his path, all right? He opens up with Nick Nevels. You expect him to win that match. But then he's got to go through a guy like Don Bradley, who's been one of the toughest guys at this weight in the United States he's been on for the many ladder. years. Been on the ladder many of years. A lot of success. I even, think he won, I even think he won a junior world gold medal at one point in time, if I'm not mistaken. Um, then, in the finals, just to get to Kuhn, he's got to go through Anthony Nelson. These guys are teammates. These guys are Tony. both from Minnesota. Yeah, Tony Nelson here. I believe... Tony Nelson is the guy that beat him last year. He was. Was it at World Team Trials or U.S. Open? He, uh, one of those. Yeah. I know he beat I him. think it might have been World Team Trials, yeah. but regardless. I think he did, yeah. And he flipped the script on him, beat him 5-1. to 5-1, to one, and it was a dominant match. And these guys are bigger than Gable Stevenson. Gable Stevenson isn't a full-size. I mean, he's not small by any stretch of the imagination, but he's not a full-size heavyweight. And that's where I thought that Kuhn was going to be able to get him. But the one... Th- and I, I don't disagree with you there. Like, when we start talking about his match with Kuhn, I don't disagree with you there at all. Gable Stevenson is not a small heavyweight. It's easy to think he is because of the amount of athleticism that he has. But, you know, you talk about guys like, you know, the Kyle Snyders and Jacob Caspers comparing college wrestling, guys that are weighing 220 pounds. Gable Stevenson's weighing 260, you know, around 260 pounds. You're right. But it's his athleticism and the way he wrestles that makes us think he's smaller than what he is. Oh, and he's got amazing technique. He's got the ability to – athleticism has a lot to do with his ability to to perfect and to – Get to legs. Yeah, to be able to get, yeah, to use technique that lighter guys use. He's able to get to legs. He's able to finish quickly and cleanly. And he's also, he has the ability to chain wrestle in those positions against these guys of that size. And I think that's what really separates him. I tell you what. But I didn't think he was going to beat Kuhn. 13 to 3 and 8 to 1. I n- did not think it, that was going to happen. Adam Kuhn was our final X rap last year. And he was also a guy who took a silver medal in Greco. I was figuring that Adam Kuhn was going to be able to get to a lock. Get to maybe his over under lock and toss um, Stevenson onto his back. He was not able to do that. In fact, Kuhn, or Stevenson put him on his back when Kuhn tried to do it once. And that goes to kind of, I guess, the point that I was making earlier about Gable. 
you know, you remember Coons matches with Snyder. Snyder obviously more athletic, yep. you know, had the better offense. But Coon was just able to hold position so well, was so hard to score on. I expected that against Gable, but Gable is just that good, and he was still able to get through his defense, get to those attacks, finish, put him on his back, he like just, you said. He, he just ended up on legs constantly. He constantly ended up on legs. I think he even shot a high crotch, which means you're really going under him. You're really going under to, him. to finish it. And not only that, but he was able to drop down a single legs. He was able to do whatever he wanted. All Kuhn could do was push and try to lock up an over-under. And you could tell Gable's freestyle savviness and freestyle chops in this match. Remember, Gable's a, a two-time cadet world champ and a junior world champ when he was cadet eligible. I don't now, think he didn't win juniors. Yeah, he did. N- not last not, year. Okay, so yeah, yeah okay, okay. And last that, year he didn't place, but the year before that, because he because this guy didn't push. But I think that's a great point, Ben. Is he's I think got, he's, he's better freestyle than he is folk, and it just shows. That's why he lost the cast to Sar. What's everybody thinking right now? Oh, Gable, he didn't win juniors last year. He lost to Sar twice this year. Didn't win the NCAA's. You know, is he is he checked out? Is he burnt out? Going through all those questions again, and then he goes out and he puts on a performance like this, and it's like, hey guys, it's easy to forget that not only was he a true freshman last year, he's a very young true right. freshman. He's still junior age, isn't he? Yes. He has to be still no, junior. No, he's definitely still yeah. junior Because he, he wrestled juniors when he was cadet which, age. Which to me means if he doesn't make the senior team, which that's an if. That's not a when. That's an if. That's no an if. To, no offense to, um, to Wazdowski. Wazdowski. That's going to be a great who I'm picking, match. Who I'm picking. I, we're blowing all of our... I know. We'll get to <laughs> it later. We'll get to it later. But um, Gable, I mean, I think it also shows that there's a difference between freestyle and folk style. And Gable is a better freestyle wrestler. You can't tell me that he's not. He just... Dude, Adam freaking Kuhn, a dude that cuts to make weight. And Gable Stevenson was able to just take him, get on that leg and sweep him, sweep that other leg out from under him, under him a significant amount of times. So I cannot believe it. I thought that Adam Kuhn was going to win this match. I thought he was. I just wanted to ask you a question. You said, you know, freestyle is different than folk style, which obviously it is. But do you ever think that when you get to, like, the, this type of weight, a heavyweight, the differences are much smaller? Especially, yeah, because the parterre is not making as much of a difference. I don't know. It's it's easier to score points in freestyle. It, not, I don't. I, yeah, I agree with you there. I don't think if Gable Stevenson wrestled like he did against Adam Kuhn against um, against Kasar, uh, Kasar, he would beat the hell out of him. I think there was a mental block. I think that's what it was, and I don't even think it was a mental block over Kasar. I think it was a mental block in those situations. Yeah, a lot know. of pressure on him. He's young, a lot of pressure. He thought everybody thought that he was basically the biggest recruit ever, and that like you know he would never lose, and he was the next Kale Sanderson. And that he can pro- wear on you. And maybe he thought that too. You know what? Maybe all that does is make it. Maybe those losses this year and the fact that he took third. Remember, Snyder only took second his freshman year. That's correct. Maybe all those losses put him on a path to to being one of the greatest of all time. Because I'll tell you what, he looked pretty damn good against Adam Coon. I mean, he looked better than damn good. He dominated a guy who was second last year. He was on the ladder his second last year and then also was our number one Greco guy who medaled. Ben. He dominated three of the best guys at this weight in the entire country between Don Bradley, Dude, Tony Nelson, and, and, and Adam Kuhn. All of those guys have made U.S. teams. Uh, yeah, like that's the gauntlet that he ran, which puts him up. Let's just wait till we talk Final X to get to that's that. That's probably but. the hardest gauntlet anybody ran at the World Team Trials. Uh, you know what? I, I, he I'm ran gonna, the hardest gauntlet and, and dominated it. I'm not going to argue there's, with there's you not, right there's there. There's not one person that ran a harder gauntlet. All right, let's rather, uh, yeah, go ahead. Let's touch base. You know, uh, look. Obviously, this weekend we had junior world team trials going. We're not going to talk too much about that. Uh, but we also had our senior women uh, competing this weekend for those second spots in final X. And 
I thought there was a lot of great matches with our women, a lot of like intrigue. Look, we got we got people at new weight classes. We've got legends who are not competing this year. I think it opens up a lot of stuff. I think we have the ability to field one of our best women's teams of all time this year at the World Championships. It's hard to disagree with that. I was looking um, last week at kind of who potentially could make the team, and I think that we could legitimately win eight medals, eight or nine medals. Is that crazy to think? You mean across men's and women? No, women. Or just women. I think we could win eight medals. I'm crazy. I'm just crazy. You know more than I do, but I'm just crazy. I don't know. I mean— Eight medals out of what ten weight classes? Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. You know, I'm not making Japan. Damn it! If I'm a betting man, I'm not making that bet. But Ben, I'm not good. Tommy was crazy when I said that too. I I will say this: I do think that we have the potential to field one of our best women's teams ever, and that's even without a Helen Marulis. And the women. Let's let's forget about the fact that the women's team. Let's not forget about the fact that the women's teams took second two years in a row. And now you're talking about them fielding the best team um, ever after they've already took second. Two times in a row at the world. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm re- what were some of your some of your uh, most exciting or most intriguing weight classes for the women? And I'm going to have to have you lead it because you know I, I obviously watch it, but you know a lot. It's more okay. Than I about it. Um, and we don't have to go that in depth. Look, one at 50 kilograms. It's great to see Victoria Anthony get back to the level that she competes yes. at. She she wins this bracket. It puts her in the final X. Look, Victoria Anthony has been one of our best lightweights in, in the country for a long time, and I think she had a slip-up maybe a, a little bit the last year or two. Um, she's back in final X. Looking forward to seeing her compete there. Um, and if you want to know more about Victoria Anthony, you can just check out one of our podcasts. She was not. <laughs> um, <laughs> I could say that a lot about these women. You really can. In fact, as we will get to later, Ben, I am so pumped to say we're just gonna we're just gonna brag on ourselves a little bit right now we have of the however many people competing in final x 40 no yeah there'll be 40 40 men and women from you're counting greco not greco no there's two in each weight 20 20 men 20 men 20 20 women yeah right yeah okay so we've got a fourth we've had nine nine athletes competing at the final x as guests on this podcast that's awesome that is awesome that is awesome so speaking of one of our very first guests ever um katherine shy comes out competes at 53 kilograms um she's got a tough little bracket to navigate she's got the young young phenom gracie figueroa she's got to take on in the semifinals. she dominates gracie 14 to 3 it sets her up to wrestle Haley Aguello, who has been a representative at, I, I believe, the Olympics and the Olympics. maybe the Worlds. Um, she takes out Haley Aguello. That puts her in a best two out of three against um, a young, young lady from, Super young. I think, Hawaii, right? Is it Hawaii? Yeah. Tiara Aiki? Uh, I forget exactly where she's from. Okay, maybe she's not. Maybe she's not. But this is a girl that is, you were talking about earlier, Ben. This is a girl that beat. Catherine, Catherine Shy rather handedly at the U.S. Open. At the U.S. Open, and Catherine goes out. She she flips the script on her. She earns that spot in final X. Guys, Catherine Shy has been around a long time. She's been she's battle tested. She you calling her old? No, I'm not calling her ah, old. No, but she's think seasoned, about though, baby. She, she's definitely seasoned. Look, she's had some time off. She had some short some injuries she was dealing with. Oh, by the way, she had a baby. Yeah, she gave birth. She gave birth. She gave she's life raising to this world. A baby. Isn't that amazing? And now she's found a way to get healthy, train again, and you know what? She's basically two wins away from wrestling in the world championships. I don't think she's ever been on a world team. She's always nope. been like second or third on the ladder. Nope. Yeah, she hasn't been. I, I think it is so cool for a person, and, and I know it, it, this isn't the first time 
for a woman to have had a child, it's a little different than obviously than a guy recovering from that's a little different than a guy recovering from uh, my, my back sore because I squatted heavy last yesterday. Right. She had a child. She goes out and she's as she's being a great mom. She's also training, training, and she made Final X. Mad props to Catherine Shy. Um, it's been amazing to, to kind of watch her journey uh, coming back from. Uh, um, a couple years off. She took a couple years off She know, did To be a mom Yeah One of our first guests ever on this podcast I'm super excited to watch her compete at Final X um, At 55 I think Not a lot for me to get excited about at this weight class Dom Parrish ultimately won the spot Dom Parrish by the way just finished up her women's collegiate season um, Or career She actually won the Miranda medal Which is the women's equivalent to the Hodge this year um, She's been on multiple different world teams at the age levels Including U23 um, she's wrestling in the final X. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing her compete at 57. Now, 57, I thought was rather interesting. We saw Jenna Burkett wrestles for the world class army athletes program. Like the world uh, elite athletes. It's, I think it's the W cap. So world class army pro- athlete program. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that's what it is um, for the army. Um, Jenna Burkett, another uh, uh, amazing wrestler woman who's been on our podcast before she makes the drop to 57. And I thought she looked really good at 57. She moved very well. Um, she navigated this bracket. She took out a very tough Kelsey Campbell in the semifinals. And then ultimately that was a big win. That was a huge Kelsey win. Campbell. You know, ultimately, she dominates the, the best two out of three uh, series between um, Carpio, um, Arian Carpio. This puts her in final X at 57 kilograms. I think this is lighter than she's wrestled in, in a while, if th- that I can remember. And I think she's got a matchup, and we'll talk about this with final X. I think it's against Becca Leathers. And that's going to be quite a matchup stylistically between the two of them. Yeah, I mean, Becca Leathers took a took a bronze two years ago. She did, yeah, you know, in the world. So you know, Jenna Burkett's obviously going to have her hands full with that. But I, I do, I do agree that I think she she looks good at that new weight. Um, at fifty nine kilograms, it was great. I tell you guys, the Hawkeye Wrestling Club is doing great things with their women wrestlers. They've recruited some some v- really good senior women athletes. I think they've got quite a few of them that's going to be competing in Final X. Um, here at 59 kilograms, you've got one of them. It's uh, Lauren. I think it's Louise. I can't pronounce that. Originally, I think she's from Ohio. She competes out at the Hawkeye Wrestling mm-hmm. Club. She is able to uh, win her best uh, uh, two out of three against Michaela. I think it's Michaela Beck. Yeah, Michaela Beck. She takes that. So she'll be competing against, I think, Allie Reagan in Final X, who is, who is uh, another Hawkeye, Hawkeye Wrestling Club athlete. So- yeah, I think you're going to have an all-Hawkeye uh an all Hawkeye battle there, right? That's going to be interesting. Hopefully, we don't see a Tony Ramos, uh, Thomas Gilman. <laughs> Hope not either. Uh, Sixty-two kilograms. Look, one of the best, most talented women wrestlers she ready? in the country. Um, she ready to finally make a scene. Uh, Kayla Miracle. She is so she's good. She's always been so close to meddling at major international tournaments, whether it's been U twenty-three or whatever. Um, sh- she dominated this bracket. She is going to have. Uh, a, a very, very fun match in Final X against uh, Mallory Velty. Can't wait to see that. I think it Who, might be a rematch from last year's right. Final X. I, I think the Miracle had always beaten Velty, and then Velty ended up winning the uh, the spot last year. Uh, now I'm now I'm going off on a tangent, but I think that's the case. So it's going to be a nice little rematch. Um, let's see. Anything? Any other ones that I really liked talking about? 
Yeah, guys, forgive us, guys. We're no, it's, we're uh, being human. Alex Glade, you know, was able to uh, capture 68 kilograms. She's been on quite a roll this past year. She just captured her first WCWA national title, uh, women's college wrestling. At the beginning of this, the women's season, she went out and captured a bronze medal. I was surprised um, she'd be 23, and then she takes out Randy. Uh, y- you know, Randy, Randy belts. And I, I'm, I agree. I was a little shocked too. But Alex Glade, she is. She is rapidly improving at at an alarming rate, and she's going to be someone who's going to be uh, competing for these spots for, for, for years to come. Um, 72 kilograms, Victoria Francis, she's been around for, for, for quite a while. She's had a lot of success. She earns a spot uh, in Final X. Great to see her competing again out there. And then at 76, um, Precious Bell, who Precious Bell is probably one of the most impressive physical specimen women wrestlers I've seen in a long time. Um, she's able to take it, take him two to nothing against Hannah Glad, she's, so she'll be competing at Final X. She's gonna have a tough, uh, tough road to hoe, though. Is that Adeline's weight class? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when Adeline is done, and we, you know, Precious Bell is gonna have some say in some of these, uh, some of these world sure. teams. She is an impressive specimen um, at seventy six kilograms. All right, Ben. Um, you want to do a let's, quick rundown of some Final X? Let's talk about some Final X matches, man. I mean, let's talk about them. We got, we got great matches. We can make some picks. I ain't got nothing better to do for the next 15 minutes. Okay, sounds good to me. Uh, 57 kilograms. It's a rematch of last year's Final X, and it's also a rematch of the um, U.S. Open. Thomas Gilman versus Dayton Fix. What are you thinking? I think it's really easy to let recency bias get in the way of an opinion here. Yep. Um, I, I think that Dayton Fix and Thomas Gilman are both amazing wrestlers with different styles, and they're both they both can be a lot of fun to watch. Um, Dayton Fix is on a roll right now. He's been competing very well. He's looking really good, but I just can't forget about Thomas Gilman that quick. And I think the difference between Thomas Gilman 2017 and Thomas Gilman now is just a couple of small things, minor adjustments that he can make that I'm sure his coaches are going to be working with him on. Um, I'm actually going to go ahead and pick Gilman in this match against Dayton Fix to make uh, his third what third straight world third team? Third straight world team. And I'm glad that we haven't talked about this beforehand because I'm actually going to pick Dayton Fix. Uh, you know, Dayton Fix is a guy who's had significant amounts, significant amount of success on the uh, the age level world, um, whether it be uh, juniors or I think he actually wrestled at U twenty threes. I think that he is a little bit more dynamic offensively than Thomas Gilman has shown since that 2017 run. If you show me Thomas Gilman from 2017, give me Thomas Gilman. Give me Thomas Gilman to get a go out there and get a medal. I have not been able to see him do what he did in 2017. Since then, I think that stylistically, the only person that Thomas Gilman has not been able to really, really push around has been Dayton Fix. Surprisingly, too, yeah. in my opinion. And if you can't push around Dayton, and if, if his if his pushing style isn't going to work against a guy who's very uh, slick but can also battle with you, then I, I don't know how Thomas Gilman is going to be able to win a two out of three. Give me, give me Dayton Fix a little change into the guard there from a guy who's only going to be a sophomore next year in college. I mean, look, Ben. In my opinion, that's actually the safe pick. Um, I think when when Gilman is when Gilman's on and he's doing the things that he did in 2017, his style is actually very conducive to being good at freestyle. He holds position well. Sure. He can push guys around to get pushouts. And that year, like you said, he had a great leg attack that he was able to finish quick, and he did it a lot. If he can get back to that, I think he's the guy. But I, I do agree that Fix is, a, yeah. Fix is the safe bet. 61 kilograms, man. Tyler Graff, Joe Cologne. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm going to take Joe Cologne. 
Um, you know, maybe it's just because he went out and he, and he, and he beat um, Bon or Bonne or whatever his name was from Cuba mm-hmm. in the Pan Ams, who was the world champ last year, and he um, also took uh, a bronze last year. Although he did slip up and uh, beat the streets and lost to Nick Soriano. But Tyler Graff, as much of a journeyman as he is, I think that's what he is, is a journeyman. A guy that always will be very solid on the ladder for us, but never quite make a world team. Um, I, I, think, I think it will be Cologne. I think, I think Cologne will be able to get to his underhooks, maybe do a little damage um, from his feet. And then if he gets on top, he's got that gut wrench. It's just killer. You know, it's funny listening to you say that. I really can't disagree with a lot of that. And I think Joe Cologne is probably the right pick here. But it's funny. Everything that you just said to describe Tyler Graff is how we were describing Joe Cologne last year. The journeyman, ah, I like that. the journeyman, you know, he's been around on the ladder, been around on the circuit. Then suddenly he gets pulled into this real team. He didn't, he didn't make even make it. Team. He got pulled in because uh, Nashon injured, right? right? And then goes out there, wins a bronze medal, then has a great match against, you know, former world champ uh, Bonnet or whatever from Cuba, like you said, beats him. So I think these two guys... All right. It could be very. This is going right. to be close. I think this is going to be. It's going to be a matchup of styles. If Tyler Graff can avoid Cologne getting on top of him and get into that gut, and if he can, that's get, the game changer. And right. If he can get through Cologne's defense on his feet to get a take. Them underhooks. Yes. If he can get to, the to there, I think Tyler Graff can win this match. I'm going to go ahead and pick Cologne, but I think this is going to be a fun one to watch. Yeah, I agree with you. So. 65 kilograms, man. Now we're getting into some heavy hitters. I think this is uh, this is definitely one of my top three most anticipated matches in Final X. Um, I love watching both these guys wrestle. Yanni, Zane. I think it's got the makings of a great rivalry at this weight class. Absolutely. Which adds all the more intrigue. We've seen Yanni do some things lately, and then it, that just solidifies how great he is. Two-time cadet world champ, by the way. That's right. And he, then, he's, he's got some freestyle chops. Yeah, I mean, the boy knows how to scrap. you know. And then watching him beat uh, uh, Punya at Beat the Streets. Right. You know, now. The guy who's ranked number one in the world. Number one in the world. What I will say is this, though. A, a great win, by the way, but, you know, Bahrang was... It's Bajrang, right? Bajrang. Bajrang, yeah. Name, yeah. You know, I believe he was competing all the week before at, uh, you know, uh, an international tournament overseas. I think, yeah, I think he was over in Russia or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and then, you know, obviously had long travel, all that kind of stuff. A lot of, like, outside uh, circumstances going into that. He still wrestled hard. Yanni won fair and square. But uh, Yanni can compete at this level. Oh, yeah. I think that Yanni's um, a guy that you're looking at to be a um, – the breaker of chains, if you will. Oh, a little Game of yeah. Thrones reference after that C- C- series finale last That's night. That's right. I love it. I think that Yanni will be the breaker of chains from the um, from our uh, past of not having a world medalist here since, like, I think 2000 and something. Hey, bro, you know what happened to the breaker of chains at the end, though, right? Breaker of chains got stabbed. She got stabbed in the heart. Jesus. Was it the heart? Well, whatever. I knew it was something. She went in to give old Jon Snow a big smooch, and he said... <laughs> He said, shanked her. Oh, by the way, spoiler alert. Oh, oops. Sorry about that, guys. Anyway, uh, Yanni D. Yeah, so Yanni versus Rutherford. That, that happened a couple weeks ago at the uh, U.S. Open. And Rutherford was actually, I think, winning at one point in time. And Yanni was able to make mount a comeback. He made the comeback, yeah. After he had an amazing tournament. Zane Rutherford, he goes out there and he beats Jordan Oliver, a guy we just talked about at World Team Trials that he's had some trouble with. I think that this is going to be a... 
I think that Zane Rutherford has to have learned something from his first match to be able to beat Yanni Diakamahalas because Yanni Diakamahalas is he can score off of his own attacks. Uh, that's what I was wondering. Agreed. He was able to do it at the uh, U.S. Open. Yep. I was wondering if he was going to be able to do it because we didn't see it that often. But not only that, but he's going to score 50% of the time maybe off of your attacks unless you can actually get in and finish quickly on him. And not only finish quickly, but finish deliberately. You can't just take half shots against him and try to find a way to win and try to find a way to finish. I'm interested to see if Zane kind of employs a different scouting report against Yanni this time around. In what way? Like, what way do you think? What should, what should Zane's tactic be going into this match? Okay, Zane's tactic is literally to control the center of the mat and hand fight hard and force Yanni into a disadvantageous position, maybe make Yanni make an errant shot, rather than you just saying, hey, here's Yanni's leg. He's not really defending it. I'm going to shoot on it. Holy shit, all of a sudden I'm getting rolled through, or holy shit, all of a sudden he's sitting in the corner like he did to finish his last shot. He sat the corner on Zane and scored off of a... um, he sat the corner and kind of got in there on his crotch and almost scored yep. off his own off his own shot. You can't just shoot against Yanni because you think that there's an opening because Yanni, it almost like he's a, he's a magician, right? I, ben, I agree with everything that you just said there, and it's it's almost kind of comical that we're having this conversation because. When Zane graduated, Zane Rutherford was one of the most dominant wrestlers we had ever seen in, in, in college wrestling. Ever. His last, you know, his last, especially his last two years of college, but even his sophomore through his senior season. I mean, the guy just he dominated all comers. And, he didn't lose. And now we're seeing Yanni. And last year, or up until this last year, I was always waiting for Yanni to make that mistake to lose a match, and you just never really saw it. In fact. Do you realize the only match that he's ever lost, nobody's really ever saw because it's not on tape. Oh, the South Beach duels yeah. against Ironman? Yeah. So many times now, look, Yanni can score off his own attacks. You said that. And he's got great setups. And you're talking about Zane holding position in the center of Matt and wearing him out. I they think Yanni is such – Yanni's a great hand fighter too, and he's strong. Sure. He is strong. He's stronger than he actually looks. And I, I don't think that's going to – Zane's going to wear him out like that. But then what that. the hell do you tell – how do you how do you tell Zane to beat him? I don't know. Just that's, shoot a bunch and get it on his leg? Kinda, that's not a good That's, that's kind of what tactic. I'm getting at. I don't know how you beat Yanni. I really don't because <laughs> that's, he, that's a great answer. He takes shots and he scores. You take great shots. You're in great position. He scores. I don't think Zane's going to turn him on top. You were literally, as a wrestler, you could take a shot on Yanni, get his leg above his head, and he's going to get the push out. And he gets yeah, and he and he gets the point. I I don't know if it's it, I'm, no. How do you no, beat him? It's not recency bias because we've watched him for the last two years. A lot of people followed him, you know, and you know, in his cadet level days, winning those world titles. Yanni is so far superior technically. He hand fights well. He finishes well. He he's got funky stuff. I don't know how you beat him, Ben. I don't know. I'll tell you one thing: if there's any guy, have you ever seen him make like really make a mistake in a match? Yeah, I mean, well, by mistake, yeah, you've seen him getting taken down, right? The funny thing is, every time I've seen him getting taken down, it was easy. So when Joey McKenna took him down in the NCAA's, it was a quick sweep finish, right? Not much defense. Right. When Baj Rang took him down, it was off of a wrap arm. He stepped the leg and hooked it, and mm-hmm. took him down with a single leg. So that's what I mean. The only time I've ever seen him taken down, the take the the shot to finish ratio was so fast that Yanni didn't have time. He didn't to have time. Do anything. So that's the only way. 
Maybe now that I'm thinking about it, the only <laughs> way is to somehow invent a shot to be able to beat, finish it so quick that he doesn't have a chance to to stop it. But I'll go back to the comments we made earlier about Zane, and this isn't disrespecting him or insulting him. Look, in college, in college he dominated guys. Guy. He had a great pace. He warmed down. His leg attacks were were very basic. He just did basic leg attacks, would take his guys down and dominate on top. I don't think he's got the offense on his feet to beat Yanni. I don't know, many people Without do, man. scoring. For, I think if Zane can get in a position like a takedown and a couple of turns and get up six points or something, that's what he has to do. Well, sure. Hit a four-point move. You got to do that two matches. Yeah, hit a four-point move. You got to do that two matches in a row. Exactly. Two out of three matches. Now, if there's anybody that's a competitor, it's Zane. That's you, what I mean. And you know, do it, right? it, you know he's probably still got a salty taste in his mouth from the U.S. Open. So, and it ain't crackers. Is, no, you got a salty taste in your mouth crackers with salt on it. Oh, saltines? Yeah. Okay. Is that he's what you got you're, a salty taste in his mouth yeah. and it ain't crackers. All right, man. All right. Um, <laughs> by far, my, my number one most, uh, most uh, favorite match to watch. Number one? Number even one. over Cox versus Bo Nickel? Yeah, we'll talk about them later, but this is my number this is my favorite match, my most anticipated match. Two O. Two O Yanni? Two matches to none, Yanni D. Nobody can beat him in the world. Yanni's going to go on to win fifteen Olympic and world gold medals. I like your enthusiasm. I'm I go, don't know how anybody beats him. I'm gonna go two matches to one, Yanni. Oh, you like the you like a best of three, huh? I do. I, right. I do, I really do. Seventy man. James Green, Ryan Deacon? What the hell? I mean, you want to diss Ryan, Ryan Deacon, Deacon no, so Ryan bad. Ryan Deacon is going to be our world team member. You want to diss Deacon so bad. I just said he's going to be our world team member. Dude, he won a junior silver medal. I just said he's going to be our world team member. I'm not dissing him. You just hoped I was. You hoped I was going to be dissing The Mothman. The Mothman, baby. Nah, James Green's going to win, right? He should. He really should win. <laughs> what the hell? He, he, honestly, Ben, he really should win. But are we underestimating Deacon? We, we've underestimated him before. I'm not underestimating Ryan Deacon. That's a great question. In all honesty, that's a great question. Are we underestimating Ryan Deacon, a guy who has had some success in freestyle? No, I don't think we are. I think that it was a fluke when he beat James Green in the finals of the World Team Trials, and or excuse me, of the uh, U.S. Open. And I think that James Green is going to go out and he's going to take care of business. He looked pretty damn good at the World Team Trials. And um, he actually didn't look terrible at the U.S. Open until the finals. He's going to win, he's going to go out, and he's going to have a chance to make it to medal. I do think his window is closing. I was going to say, do you think it, it, it's it's safe to say that even James Green, win, his window is closing as well? Yes. I Who agree. You got? you got Deacon? No, honestly, I'm, I, I got to play it safe on this one and pick James Green. Right. Um, it, it, would I like to see Deacon win? You know what? It would be nice to see somebody else different compete at that weight class. I think. Especially because Green didn't medal last year, did he? I don't think he's medaled the last two years, if I'm not no, mistaken. No, he medaled in 17. He took made the finals. Okay, okay. Uh, there you go. Yeah. See? It's hard when you don't have your, your facts in front of you. No, it's um, okay, man. Uh, I would like to see Deacon go out there and compete. I remember Deacon really surprised me the year I saw him wrestle at the Junior World Team Trials. He just looked like this big kid I didn't really know much about. Um and then he, he just goes looked out like a there. dude with arms the length of, like... Yeah, and he, he was in a tough weight class, too. Then he wins the weight, then he goes out, he wins that silver medal. I think he could be one of those guys where... He's going to do great things in college, but I think he could even do better things on the, on the freestyle circuit, so... Yeah, I mean, that's the cool thing about a lot of these college guys that are now competing freestyle-wise while they're still in college. As you're seeing these guys making final axes and making runs at the World Team Trials, and that's 
not only is that making our uh, United, not only is it making the United States better because we're getting these guys that actually have experience before they get out of college, but it's also making these guys better too. Agreed. Because they're getting competition that's elite level year round, um, and it is no disrespect to Ryan Deacon, but to me, James Green's the best guy. Now, now that Nolf's up, I was going to pick Nolf, but now that Nolf's up, James Green's the best guy at this weight. He gives us the best chance to get a medal, and I think that's important. Especially every year now that we're competing for world, you know, for world championships uh, as a team, and so I'd like to see Green make the team again. You know, look, I know he can't. I know the weight cut's too big, but a guy that I would have loved to have seen at this weight just for world team purposes is Imar. I think Imar could have been a great competitor at seventy kilograms had he been able to make the weight. Right, he's you just know, too big. Exactly, we'll never see it. He is too big. He grew out of the weight, but you know, he had wins against James Green in college. Yeah, correct. Um, you know, I think he never lost to James Green in college. It, he was the one that chased him around holding his dick. Oh, the hustle ride. Yeah, in Delays. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen him be able to compete at this weight class. But instead of seventy kilograms, he's up at seventy-four kilograms, taking on uh, the man, one of the best in the world, one of the best all time, Jordan Burroughs. It's a thing. I think. I, I I don't know if it's a real thing. Look, JB, how much stock do you put into JB just dominating Ben Askren? None. I don't put a lot of stock in that. Um, I think if it w- if it was JB versus, versus Ben Askren, two thousand and ten, okay, two thousand and nine, okay, yeah, we got a match. Right. Look, Askren, he isn't. Askren did it just to kind of benefit rest. He did, and you know, fun way to go out there, put it online, way to swallow your pride and get embarrassed by right. Jordan Burroughs. And I think that Askren knew that. I, but you know, we know Askren didn't go into it just thinking like he wasn't going to try hard. That's not Ben Askren's style. But I don't put much stock in that. Um. Regardless of how much Isaiah Martinez has improved, one of the things that I think Jordan Burroughs does better than anyone is he gets to legs and he's able to transition from single-double, double-single, and I think that's where he's going to eat Imar up at. And I don't think he's going to let Imar bully him with underhooks. Jordan Burroughs taken everything that he's good at and he's made that his perfect wrestling style. He doesn't try to do too much. He He's focused on... Probably ten things. Now, and, and I mean by ten things, all of them have tentacles to hundreds of thousands of different things. But he's focused on basically ten things that he could do really, really well, and he's made that his wrestling style. And I'm not sure that anybody in the world is better at the ten things that he's focused on than him. Amazing point. And and I'll just to add on to that, one of the things that he doesn't do, which you see a lot of guys do, he doesn't force things. Absolutely, he, do, he picks his spots. And then he takes what's given to him, and he does it so well, and that's why he's so successful. Yeah, and, and, and he's a lot harder to score on than you think, it, both not only from the from neutral but also on top. I watched this dude fight off a leg lace in Worlds last year that, I mean, most people's legs would have just snapped in half. I've got so much respect for Jordan Merles, and I've got so much respect for what he's done for this sport. That said, I think Isaiah Martinez, a guy who we think is amazing, is wrestling better than he ever has in his entire life. The guy just went out and freaking dominated Jason Nolf. I think that it will be a thing. Because remember, last year they wrestled. And we thought it might have been maybe a thing, and Jordan Burroughs kind of controlled him. I think it will be a thing here too, but I still think that it will be a two-match-to-none win, call it 5-2-6-3 type win for Jordan Burroughs. I, look, I can get down with that. Um, one thing I will add on there, I, I can't get as excited – 
it's a great win for Imar to beat Nolf. It really is. I can't get as excited about it as you do because I think Jason Nolf still has a long way to go on the in the freestyle wrestling. He certainly does. You know, um, if it was that type of performance in a folk style match, I would be, I'd be I would be highly highly impressed. Still great wins, but I think Nolf is like Imar was a couple of years ago. And once Nolf continues to get right. better and more experienced in freestyle and kind of figure some things out, then he's going to be a guy that like, oh, this is a force to be reckoned sure. with. I love the depth that we have at all these ways. I do too. It's so amazing that we're like, that like, oh, if, you know, if something were to happen to Jordan Burroughs, you know, God forbid, we're throwing out an, an Imar who I think could go out and battle and, and, and have some success at World. I'm not saying he's going to go out and get a medal, but could battle and have some success. It's just great that we have this type of depth. You made a comment about Jordan Burroughs and how, you know, uh, like appreciative, you know, you are of all the things he's done and all this and that. There's been a lot of factors in the United States over the last 15 years that's changed with our, you know, freestyle wrestling program. RTCs have played a big part, um, uh, lots of different things. Jordan Burroughs was the star that the United States needed, that absolutely needed, because at the time back then we were losing. He started it. We were losing wrestlers to MMA. We were losing wrestlers, I mean, just right away. They weren't sticking around maybe for just, a, you know, a year or two. Jordan Burroughs was that superstar that was needed that kind of set the bar and drew everyone back in, and now we have all this depth. We have great teams. I think it's amazing. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Jordan Burroughs, Burroughs was kind of the catalyst to all of this, but let's not – um, let's let's also give props to USA Wrestling for making it financially worthwhile. For oh, sure, to absolutely, yeah, of and, course. And, and, I, and I just wanted it to, I wanted, I wanted it to go with saying to say that that you know, United States Wrestling has made it worthwhile for these guys to stick around, and that's why our teams are actually starting to show significant success. We won it in 2017. We took second last year. We're, we have a team that could win it again this year. Um, so USA Wrestling done. It's great only getting better. Yeah, Ben. I yeah. USA Wrestling's done great things. But I, is the I, can't, I kind of. I guess I look at this from the situation that when you talk. Okay, why is basketball so popular in in America? Obviously, because it's, it's easy to play. I don't. I know don't either. have the but answer. To one that. of the things is is there's a lot of stars that people follow and they relate to, and that's who they look up to, and it draws them into the sport. We see that with baseball. You see it with football. Why is soccer not so big in America right now? I don't think we've ever had stars. A, we haven't had a superstar to really be the face of U.S. soccer. The All biggest you, star in U.S. soccer, the big, or the biggest star <laughs> in the MLS was Beckham when he came over. And right? he's not even an American guy. I mean. He's not That's an, the thing. exactly. So Jordan Burroughs was that guy that that wrestling needed on the senior circuit. And when he graduated college and went in and started having that success, it was like, oh crap, shoot. This is, we're bringing it back to to the way it was before. He has before. the charisma. He has the personality. It took someone like that. But it's taken a lot of people to to get wrestling to where it is now, and um, I think that Jordan Burroughs is yeah is the face of wrestling. It, he's the face of wrestling, and and I think that when he's all said and done, whether whether it be after twenty twenty or not, uh, we're gonna have to look back and we're gonna have we owe we're gonna owe a significant amount to that man. I agree. If anything, he drew more fans into freestyle wrestling, senior circuit wrestling, following our world Absolutely teams, our Olympic did. teams. Yeah, it's been so amazing. Because he's always stepped on the fucking line too. Oh yeah. He backs it up, he steps on the line, he battles. He wrestles he's like Ben Askren. Uh I'll wrestle you for a charity event even though I've got to get prepared for Final X. He doesn't care. This guy steps on the line anytime he, how many beat the streets has he wrestled? Almost all of them. The dude is wrestling like constantly, the guy steps on the line, man. Mad props to him. Love it. I don't know why why we went there, but you know, I wanted it's, to get a little. It's good to talk about, man. I get excited about it. Yeah. Seventy nine kilograms. I'm excited about. I'm this. excited about this. Um, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, Kyle Dake. 
Alex Deringer. I, I we've seen it before. Yeah, it, it's always been tight. Deringer is only looking better at this weight class, and Kyle Dake went unscored upon and was a world champ last year. So as long as he's healthy, it's not a thing in my opinion. I think the matches can be close. Yes, they will be close. But if there's one person that I've grown really accustomed to in close matches, really having it under control, it's Kyle Dake, and he's always shown that. You know, even looking back to his college days, we used to have, like, these little debates or arguments. People <laughs> say, say he was boring, he's this, he's that. Look, you can dominate people David Taylor style and win 15 to nothing, and you can dominate Kyle Dake style and win 3 to nothing with six minutes of ride time. You know what I mean? And I, right. I've always enjoyed watching him. What he did at last year's World Championships was spectacular, just like some of our other guys. Um, he's at a great weight. He made the decision to accept this final X spot at this weight. Makes sense he's going to take the long road next year. It makes absolute sense. Um, even though Deeringer's looking better, he's growing into this weight. I think it's got the potential to be close matches, but I'm not picking against Kyle Dake. Nope. I think Deeringer will be our rep for the uh, 2020 non-Olympic weight world's at 79 kilograms because Kyle Dake will go down. So Deringer will have his time his time to shine then. Right. Kyle Dake's going to be the guy this year. He stayed up. The reason why he – I don't know what the reason why he did, but we haven't seen him wrestle in a long time. There is some rumor of injury. He's still getting healthy. But it makes sense not to drop anyways. One. What's the point of dropping? Yeah, he can actually make money at 79 kilograms. Right. He drops down. It's a 50-50 proposition if he beats Jordan Burroughs or not. Some people would say it's more or less. I'm not going to get into the argument of Jordan Burroughs, Kyle Dake right now because I don't have to. But say he – he drops and he doesn't make the team. He can't make money to feed his family because he doesn't get to compete on the world stage to get that living the dream fund. He stays up. He's the returning world champ, unscored upon. Go out there, dominate, win another world title, and then worry about it afterwards because, I mean. So the ultimate goal for him, if he was going to drop down or go up this year, would be to not only win the spot but go out and win a medal so you get to sit in the finals of Final X next year. That's the biggest right. advantage. That's a lot of what ifs. Well, there's no final X next year, but yeah, I get your point. I, I'm sorry, the, the Olympic, Olympic team, the Olympic team trials. Yeah, I'm sorry, not final X. And I'm sorry. Yeah, there's a no. Thanks for correcting me. There's a lot of what ifs and a lot of things that can go wrong from from the time that starts to to that to the Olympic right. trials. So why not just stay in your spot, go out, Focus on the next win this spot, win a, win another world medal, and then worry about next year, next year. Right, right. I mean, because he may he may still go. He may go up. He may go down. You yeah, don't, don't know. know you don't guys. even know. People don't. We don't understand. There's been one guy that can be, that, that beats Dake. It's Jordan Burroughs. No one else has really beaten him. So do you go down and no take? No one else has beaten. Do you him. take your chance with Dake, or do you go up and take your chance with one of the hottest guys in the world? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. Well, Cox is going to have the same fucking decision. Sorry for using the F word a couple times. Cox is going to have the same decision he's going to have to make too. That'd be interesting to talk about. All right, 86 kilograms, man. DT. We're taking Dake, though, right? I'm taking Dake, yes. Yeah, and I think it's going to be two matches to, to nine. I agree. Two matches to zero, but I, I tell you what, though. And I think it could be close. Deringer might be our best backup. Oh. I mean, I know we got the Bo Nichols. I know we got some other guys. In a non-Olympic year, yeah, Deringer's one of our best backups. He's our best backup. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Think of all the, the, all the success that he had last year. Um, I think, what, he won? Uh, did he win the Medved? Yeah, he, he won, won a, a bronze of, at Uregan. Yeah, he won a couple um, of foreign tournaments in place. Is there he's, one called the Kokloff or something? Kokloff, yeah, yeah. I think he won that as well. And he's also, just, yeah, he's beaten world medalist upon world medalist. Yeah, I mean, yeah, amazing, amazing guy. Um, and, and if he was to pull the upset against Dake, I could totally see Deringer going out and, and winning a world medal this year, even a gold. Oh, yeah, if Deringer beats Dake, then we obviously know that he's refs done better than he ever has in his entire life, and he's going to win gold. 
Um, 86, man. David Taylor, Pat Downey. I think really the only intrigue, the only I intrigue hope right Taylor's here healthy. is how healthy is David Taylor. God, that sucks. You know, how healthy I is I hope it? he's healthy. Now, if he's not, if I understand the rules correctly, because he's a former, he's a gold medal last year, he can request a wrestle-off later. He gets a special wrestle-off, special, yeah. and all have, they, all, they have to do it two weeks before, I believe, well... They have to do it before, obviously, they leave for acclimation camp. Exactly. So, uh, either way, if he can't wrestle, if he's not healthy, I'm sure he'll make the right decision for what's best to him. He can still get that wrestle off at a later time. Um, I even think, uh, like, a 70% David Taylor should beat Pat Downey, and that's not disrespecting Pat Downey. That's just complimenting how great David Taylor is. It, it would, the percentage of that that would still beat Pat Downey is a lot lower than 70%. Let me tell you that. I think it's probably about 50% or Because David Taylor is that good. He is that David good. David Taylor beat Yazdani Chirati. I mean, I... I'm telling you I know A 50% David Taylor Would would tech fall I I guess what I'm thinking is uh, If David Taylor's really injured You know And he's not like Fully healthy If Pat Downey's able to Lock up with him once or twice And launch him You know on that knee or something Something Um, I hope not Let's just hope that David Taylor's healthy Agreed Agreed uh, another one of my uh, really most anticipated matches to watch Man you you said it earlier Jaden Cox Bo Nickel And it's funny That that I feel that way I don't know if it's a thing or not and I still stand by this, and sometimes I'm guilty of it myself. I think Jaden Cox is one of the most overlooked, underappreciated wrestlers in the entire world. Well, he'd tell you that himself. He said that. He said that he, was, he, he thought he was the most underrated wrestler in the world. I, I don't think he's wrong. And I think we definitely overlook and underrate him in America when you have guys like David Taylor, Kyle Dake, and Jordan Burroughs and Kyle such. Kyle Snyder. Kyle Snyder, yeah. Let's not forget about yeah, that Snyder. guy. Um, this guy's wrestled on three world-slash-Olympic teams, right? He's got a uh, two worlds a, and Olympic. He's got an Olympic sil- or Olympic bronze, a world bronze, and, and a, a world, world gold. gold. So every time he's competed, he's medaled. He's gone through some of the he toughest won world guys. Last year. Yeah, he's gone through some of the toughest guys to, to even make the spot. Look who he's kept off the team: Dake, Dake and, Taylor. and Taylor. Dude, that's insane. Yeah, that's insane. Now, with that said, let me just put this out there: Bonico pretty good now. There was once a time when I, I, I was always picking against Bonico. I'm going to pick Jaden Cox in this match, but I have learned yeah. that Bo Nickel can beat anybody at any given time because he is just that freaking good. His time will come. His time will come. Um, and, and I think that it is a thing. And I think that Bo Nickel can score points on Jaden Cox, but I don't think he can score a lot of them. Jaden Cox is so hard He's to so score hard to on. score on. This is what I could see. I think Jaden Cox can get to his attacks, get the takedowns sure. that are needed. Absolutely. I don't think Bo Nickel's going to be able to sit back and pick Cox apart, but I do think Nickel has the ability to score one or two big point yep, moves he will. to make it like a six to three match yep. or he'll, a four to two yeah, match. Yeah, he'll end up getting a couple takedowns. I think that it won't. It's not going to be ten ten. No, two techs. You know, I think that I I think that Bo Nickel's going to be able to score on Jaden Cox, but I do think that Jaden Cox is going to. Jaden Cox is wrestling better than I think he's ever had. I think he's. To be honest, I think with he's. You. Something kind of lit a fire up under him the last year or so. You know, when he was thinking about getting out of wrestling and doing some mm-hmm. other stuff, he came back, and I think he's just gotten better. And he seems much more engaged right now. Focused. Um, you know he's focused. You know he's training. And I think he's got this chip on his shoulder. Well, he moved from Missouri to the Olympic Training Center. Mm-hmm. And I think that has a lot to do with it. You know, he was just out last week training with Kyle Snyder at the, Olymp- or the Ohio Regional Training Center. You know, he's doing those types of things. Was he wearing those Air Crusader Jesus sandals like 
Kyle Snyder's been posting videos on lifting I weights. You haven't seen, seen him? Any of that, but I don't. Dude, he had no those. Uh, what is he? What are these? Those Birkenstocks that have the one strap that comes across no, the front with the those? toe. It's like what uh, Kyle Dake wears. And then he had a shirt that says Jesus. Nothing wrong with that on. And he was like, sure, doing some working out and uh, looking like Moses. Oh, he looked like Moses. I get it. <laughs> now I get what you're going. He looked like Moses. Instead of part in the Red Sea, he was deadlifting uh, he was just, a million pounds. But um, I agree with what you said about Jaden. Look, he is more focused right now. Um, and, and I'll go back to what I said earlier. I think he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder right now because he does feel that he's overlooked. Yeah. So uh, 125 kilos. What do you think? Can Nickel win one of these matches? <laughs> okay. No. You got Is it 2-0? 2-1? Yeah, it's 2-0. You think it's 2-0? It's 2-0. And, God, you guys know. Listen, you've listened to our podcast enough to know that, that I respect the hell out of O'Nickel. But Jaden Cox is a freaking returning world champ who he's so – and I'm not saying this because he sweats a lot, but he's so slippery. You know what I mean by the word slippery? Like he's so hard to like score on. I just don't see it. I don't see him being able to put up enough points. I agree with you, man. I think it's two matches to none. I wouldn't be surprised if Bo wins a match, but I think Bo still has a, a little ways to come before he's at that level. His time will come, He'll though. He'll be there. He'll be there. He'll be there. Uh, Kyle Snyder, Kyvin Gadsden, we've seen this multiple times. I mean – That's why I just said 125. <laughs> So what do you think, though, like real quick, there's people out there that are literally thinking that Snyder is checked out a little bit. What does that mean? I think we're so used to seeing him win everything, and when he starts to hit some bumps in the roads, people think, well, you know, is he too focused on other things? Is he not committed? Is he ready to do something else? I mean, I know that there's probably some intrigue to go fight and make some money, make some serious, serious money, but... I don't know. I hope not. I hope not because he 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 had he was talk about besides Jordan Burroughs, Kyle Snyder has been the face of wrestling. Correct. You know he was one of the he won freaking Olympics or excuse me worlds in Olympics while he was still in college. Totally agree. You know, so I hope that he's I hope that he's not checked out because he's even on an off day he was second best in the world. How much do you think that he still thinks about getting pinned by Sajulayev? Well, you know what I think as a. As a competitor, I hope he thinks about it a decent amount. You know, I mean, I, I, I hope it motivates him. I don't mean I don't want it to like ruin your life. No, no, it, but, but like I mean, motivates you, keeps yeah, you keeps you going, pushes you in your training. You yeah, know, yeah, I, th- I I hope so. I fucking hope so. Should they meet up again? Can Snyder beat him? Do you think Snyder can beat Sajulayev again? Man, to be determined. Ah, oh, man, I don't know. I mean, we got plenty of time to talk about that, it. It's just—it's yeah. one of these things that I've that actually been thinking is, about a lot lately. That I think he's the best wrestler, regardless of weight, in the world in the past twenty years. He's—we're getting off topic a bit. But Sag Live is one of those guys that can wrestle like a guy that's that big, and then he also has the athleticism of a guy that's you know fifty-seven kilograms. It's—it's—it's it's, it's insane to watch. He's—he's he's the scariest wrestler I've ever seen of my generation. All right, final men's match. Uh, Nick Gwizdowski, who's just done nothing but improve over the last few years, um, really holding down that 125-kilogram spot, taking on Gable Stevenson. Two-time bronze world medalist, right? Two-time bronze world medalist. And then we got Gable, who's two-time cadet world champ, junior world champ, uh, junior silver medalist? No. Just all golds. All golds, then a no medal. Then a no medal. Okay, okay. Um, If you would have asked me a month ago, I'd say this isn't a match. Oh, they ain't even a thing. Wasn't because a thing. Gable is not even going to get past Kuhn. Exactly. He's not going to beat Kuhn thirteen to one and eight to one. But what we saw this past weekend, I think this is a match, and that's no disrespect to Nick Nick I think it's a match, and I think it's going to be an exciting one. 
Nick Wisdowski did something last year that I was wondering if he was going to be capable of doing, and that was to score significant offensive points against Adam Kuhn. Adam Kuhn was so big, and he was on that little run where everybody loved it because, remember, he made the Greco team, and then he had to fly across the country in, like, two days to wrestle Final X. Right. And Gwiz went out there and was just able to take him down. Gwiz is a 265-pound heavyweight. The one thing that Gable hasn't, one thing that Gable, when Gable struggled is that he ran into other really bigger athletic heavyweights too, or excuse me, athletic heavyweights like Anthony Casar, like a Casar, and Casar was able to do that. Now you got a guy who's probably forty pounds heavier than Casar, but also just as athletic, or has just as good offense on his feet as as Gable or Casar does. And I think that that's why Gwizdowski um, is going to be able to win that match. But I think it's going to be a thing. Oh, I agree. It's going to be a thing, but I think you hit on some important things right there. And maybe it's maybe I'm I'm wrong, but but if my memory serves me correct, if there's one spot on the mat I've seen Gable struggle with when he gets in trouble, it's when a guy gets to his legs. I think if he can't, you're exactly right. If man. he can't, if he can't get out of the situation on his first line of defense and and disengage from the attack, if they truly get to his legs. He struggles to the point to where it almost looks like he's not. He just decides to not even fight the takedown. He just it just kind of gives it up. And I know he's not just giving it up. He just, his defense is not as evolved or as adapted as as because I, I don't think he's used to be putting being put in that position. Right, Kuhn didn't get in on his legs. Gwizdowski is a guy like you said who is not only bigger but he's just is very much athletic and offensive on his feet. He's got great leg attacks who could get to Gable's legs multiple times, and I think that bodes oh, trouble to. for Gable. Right, he's definitely. I think we know that he's going to get to Gable's legs. The question is, is he going to be able to stop? Is Gable going to be able to stop those shots? The answer probably is no. We know that Gable's probably going to get to Kuhn's legs a couple times. I think Gwizdowski got a little or Gwizdowski, excuse me. Yeah. I think Gwizdowski's got a little bit better defense than, than Gable does. So maybe you're right. Maybe the winner of this match is going to be – maybe the defense wins this match because they're both going to be able to get in. I can see this weight class being decided off – Guys attacking, getting towards the line, and it winning it on pushouts. And Gable Stevenson, of all the young guys that we've talked about push competing outs. in this, whether it's Bo Nickel, like we've talked about Jason Nolfs, the IMARs, and stuff like that. Gable Steven, Gable's one guy. He is very seasoned in freestyle wrestling. I think if they win it on pushouts, that Gable's got a good shot. And that's why I'm picking Gable to win this. Are you really? I am, and that's not holy shit. And I think Wisdowski is. Been one of our greatest 125s in a long time. It's no disrespect. Travell got one world medal. And how many times has he represented the United States? Gwiz has represented the United States twice and has gotten two medals? Something has lit a little bit of a fire under Gable's butt. All right? I I, I like Gable to win this. Two matches to one. I'm picking. I'm picking Gwiz two zero. And I'll be honest with you. This is the one I've said all the time. Like I'm going to pick the safe bets. This is not the safe bet. No. But just just call it a hunch. I'm, it. I'm going Gable. I love the hunch. I'm going two zero. Gwiz. Um, I, I saw him beat the crap out of Coon last year. Um, I think that he's going to be able to get in and finish some shots now, hot dog. All right. Listen, we got to talk about the women's matches. We have right. to make some picks on You're this. Have to read Look, we're already an hour and 45 minutes in this podcast. It's a long one. I don't care. It's Are you serious? One. Hour and 45 minutes, man. This, this stuff's so much fun to talk about. Because we're talking about the greatest of the greatest for the United States. I love it. Right, uh, let's roll through these quick. All right. Whitney Condor, Victoria Anthony, 50 kilograms. Trials champ, Victoria Anthony, former medalist or U.S. Open champ, Whitney Condor. Look, I'm taking Victoria Anthony to get back on that spot. 
former Inside Trip guest. She loves the Inside she Trip. She loves the Inside Trip. For that reason only, I'm picking Victoria. I'm picking her. She said, she said Inside Trip. All right. We've got... Oops. Excuse me. 53 kilograms, Sarah Hildebrandt, who's been one of the hottest wrestlers in the country, men or women. Catherine How about Shy. in the world? Catherine Shy. All right. Look, both are, both are guests of the Inside Trip podcast. Correct. Um... Love Catherine Shy, mad props to her. Sarah Hildebrand's gonna go out there. Chase. She's chasing gold for the next couple of years. Sarah Hildebrand's gonna win this match, and it's gonna be comfortable. I agree with you, man. Don't do not disagree at all. Fifty-five kilograms. Jakar Winchester, Dominique Parrish. Winchester shocked a lot of people making that team last year. Uh, Dom Parrish has made a lot of teams. It hasn't quite gotten over the hump at some of the, the world younger, tournaments. Though, right? She's yes, yeah, just graduated, finished her college career. Give me this. Give me the more senior athlete who ended up keeping a world bronze medalist off the team last year in um, Winchester. Love it. I got the same pick as well. Um, Fifty-seven kilograms. Becca Leathers and Jenna Burkett, former world bronze medalist, taking on Burkett. Man, Ooh. the heart says um, Burkett. The head says. 2017 bronze medalist Leathers. I think Leathers is, she's another person that's found herself in a really good situation since she went out to the Tar Heel Wrestling Club in North Carolina. Right. I think it's helped her a lot. But I thought Burkett looked really good at 57 kilograms. I like her to win that match. Put your name on it, baby. All right. Uh, yeah, I am. Uh, 59, Allie Reagan against her teammate, Next Lauren topic. Louis. Allie, Allie. Allie. Allie Reagan's the best. I think she. I think if it's not Sarah Hildebrandt, uh, besides Adeline Gray, if it's not Sarah Hildebrandt, Allie Reagan's the best uh, wrestler in the country for or, or in our team for women. I agree with you, man. Uh, one of my favorite women's matches. Can't wait to see. 62 kilograms, Mallory Velt, Kayla Miracle, man. Jeez, Velt just got the world bronze last year. Uh, Miracle's been one of the... Uh, honestly, she is probably one of the best female wrestlers that we have. She just hasn't gotten over the I hump yet. I think this is going to be a very similar thing to the Winchester Leathers. Where Velty got a third last or a bronze last year and doesn't make the team this year because Kayla Miracle does and then goes out and medals. I like it. I like it. I like that pick. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you there. Um, again, Kayla Miracle, another girl wrestling for the Hawkeye Wrestling Club. They're doing good stuff. Uh, 65 for Small and Nary against Maya Nelson. I don't know much about Maya Nelson, so it would, I'd be ignorant to make any pick here. So I'll listen to you. I think the easy pick is uh, is Forrest, but I do think that Maya Nelson is probably one of the most underrated female wrestlers in the country. Um, she's extremely good, and I think this is her time to make that team at 65 kilograms. You like her over I do, all yeah. Right. Um, all right, 68, one of our favorites, Tamira Menza-Stock. Next on, topic, three-time Euregan champ in a row, right? Taking on one of the biggest rising stars in women's wrestling, Alex Glade. Wasn't Didn't Menza-Stock... Mate, win three Euregans in a row, or was she it won three Euregan gold medals? Yeah, three three Euregan gold medals. Yeah, come on, dog. Yeah, I like Menza too. Yeah. Gotta gotta pick her. Plus, she's so awesome. Yeah, oh, she's one of the best personalities in the business. Um, seventy six kilograms. Adeline Gray, Precious Bell. Adeline just beat the crap out of uh, the um, world champ from last year, or no, from the excuse me, the Olympic champ Wee Weeby or mm -hmm. from Canada. From Canada. Yeah, I mean Adeline Gray is gonna go out there and she's gonna win another. I think she's going to win her fifth or whatever it is. Yeah, she's one of the best all time. World title. And then I apologize. I skipped over 72 kilograms. Um, Olivia Fisk taking on Victoria Francis. That's another one where you're going to you're gonna have to tell me a little bit about that. I'm sorry, man. I think Fisk is a, a really good up-and-comer. Victoria Francis has been competing for a while. Um, that's one of the ones that you just kind of say uh, tugs on the old uh, 
the heartstrings. I'd like I've met Victoria Francis. She's such an amazing person. She's such a nice human being. Um, I, I'm really hoping she can pull this off and get back on that rule team. Well, then I am too. There we go. Then I am too. All right, man, Ben. That's about all I Woo, got. We're baby, hour and fifty minutes into this. Sounds like a Game of Thrones podcast. I love it. We should have a Game of Thrones podcast. I, I don't know. All right, that's all we got for you guys. I uh, hope you stuck around and listened to the entire thing. Best of luck to all the athletes competing at Final X. Going to give us a lot of great things to talk about. That's all we got for you. As always, don't wind up on your back, bro.